Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. In today's episode, I sit down with Stalker Steve. Steve is an absolutely wonderful person. He was supposed to have joined us on The Lady Washed Him, but ended up for reasons that we can't determine, despite the fact you'll hear it in the interview, and we try to figure it out. But for reasons we couldn't determine, he couldn't join us for the two weeks. So instead, he ended up following us in his RV and uh, basically chasing us up the west coast of the U.S. Uh, but in addition to all this, Steve has lived an insanely adventuresome life, and we only really scratched the surface of the iceberg when it, when it comes to his life stories. Uh, they are they're crazy, as you'll hear. Anyway, we mostly talk about his first and second years in Alaska, uh, but we, we go on tangents and talk about different things as it goes along. Also, at the very end, we talk about something that every single man in the world really uh, needs to hear, every grown man, and a uh, very important subject. And any women out there with stubborn men also need to listen to. It's a really important serious medical info. But we started out on a pretty light note about the time that Steve shot himself in the hand. All right, folks, here we go with Boat Stalker Steve. <laughs> Uh, Stalker Steve. Stalker Steve, hi. Thank you for... Front and uh, center. <laughs> thank you for sitting down and, and uh, yeah, thank you for, for doing this interview. Yeah, I came yeah. up here and showed up without any advance warning. <laughs> <laughs> Tricks of the trade, buddy. Anyway. <laughs> so, man, we... I, I, I don't know where to begin because you've had a crazy life. You had a crazy life of adventure. And I definitely want to get into some of that for sure. And we obviously want to talk about boat stuff, which you've had some crazy boat adventures too. But but why don't we go, why don't we start with how we met? Why don't we start with actually, not how we met, but what what didn't get you onto the Lady Washington where where I was captaining and, and we had the, the whole crew there. So what, what didn't get you onto our boat? I don't know. I took the helm. No, no. You got injured, right? What, what were you doing? Wait, did I get injured? Yeah, because remember, you were going to do the two weeks before the mast, and then you said you, you got injured, and so therefore you couldn't go on the ship. Wow. Okay, now you're stressing my memory. I don't recall what happened on that, so, honestly. Really? Yeah, Something I don't. about, like, were you paragliding or doing... I wasn't paragliding at that point. I was in California. Uh, it's not where I had surgery on my arm from the injury at the beach house, was, was it? Was it a hand injury? Oh, I did have a hand injury, and I had a... Shoulder injury. Oh wait, no, the hand injury. Oh, you mean the gunshot through my hand? That was what? Uh, that was years before you met me. You got shot through the hand? Yeah. Well, we'll tell that story. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> wait, where, how far, where do we where do we start? Where do we end? <laughs> um, yeah, I shot myself in the hand with a um, parabellum nine millimeter round. That was a uh, uh, a exp uh, an expansive round for self defense. And um, I uh, was showing, uh, this was on, on my exes of my ranch, and I was showing a pistol to a new ranch hand uh -huh. that wanted to buy this pistol. And so I showed it to him and gave it to him with, you know, empty chamber, empty, you know, had taken out the magazine, threw it on the bed, 
And then I got a phone call and I got on the telephone call and this guy's working the gun. And then he hands it back to me and he says, uh, he's got to leave. And, um, there's something, the trigger doesn't feel right. Doesn't, doesn't feel like the trigger is pulling properly and stuff. And I'm like, this is a pretty high, high end weapon. I, I don't think there's a problem with the trigger. I never had that problem. So I'm still on the phone call distracted and he hands me back the pistol with the magazine laying on the bed. And uh, I never checked the uh, I never checked the barrel on it, and he'd stuck around. He he chambered around inside there and left it in there. And uh, I picked the gun up and I'm looking at it and I'm talking on the phone, distracted, and uh, pulled the trigger on it because it was empty and hit the uh, hit my left hand here and almost took my left finger off. And uh, oh, I can see the scar now. Jeez. Yeah, this is this is all scar. Um, oh wow! Went all the way through, and I was bleeding like a stuck pig. Um, and it hit the bone. It, it missed the, it not just missed the bone, but the, the main, uh, nerve ending that's down in there that operates this whole thing missed it by, you know, millisecond millimeters. It was just uh, so close. Wow. The surgeons were amazed that I was still had a finger that was operational. So anyway, the hard part was getting to the hospital. So I'm, I'm in a huge warehouse that I'd built on the property, great big steel warehouse. I'm by myself. The other guy's uh, has gone back to his trailer and um i fired this round went through my hand and it put a hole i went back later the mattress on the bed because i was it was you know facing down towards the mattress the the op- the first hole going into the mattress was the size of a quarter and it just got bigger after that to all the way to the bottom the double mattress all the way down oh wow till we, where we found the round had completely flattened out and it was frightening. But anyway, that was later. But uh, at the moment, I was bleeding like crazy. And I'm holding my hand trying to keep from bleeding. And yeah. so I'm compressing it with my right hand. And that means that I've got two hands that are pretty much useless. I can't do much. I can't pick up a phone and dial a call or anything. you know. And I, yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So I managed to get uh, downstairs in the warehouse, out front to my Bronco, and got the keys in the Bronco and got it started. Automatic, thank God. <laughs> all right? And I've got blood everywhere. I'm just spreading blood all over the truck. And uh, and I am uh, throw it in gear and I'm driving like a you know drunk wild man down to uh, the trailer that this uh, new, case, new caretaker was living at. And I'm just blowing my horn. And he comes right now and says, you got to drive me to the hospital right now. And uh, he's looking at me like, what the? And he's like, I don't ask. Let's go. <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I jump over into the passenger seat. He gets in the driver's seat. And he's got blood all over him, right? Because he's because I had just soaked the steering wheel and the seat oh, wow, and the yeah. door and the handle. And, you know, the truck's got blood on the outside of it. And uh, I jump into the passenger seat. And we're um, about... About 20-minute drive, uh, 15 minutes if you can uh, uh, not hit traffic, but we're right in the middle of rush hour traffic. And so we're on a private road, you know, dirt road. And so we had uh, a three-quarter mile dirt road to drive down to get to a paved road and then several miles of paved driving uh, to get down to the intersection. And then once you're through the intersection, then you're you're good. You're on your way to the hospital. It's pretty quick from there. Yeah. And, uh, but we get to this intersection and it is just a, a madhouse. Traffic's uh, four or five lanes of traffic from all directions. I'll stop at these lights with, you know, just heavy volume of traffic. And uh, he's got us in the, uh, I got him over into the, the, uh, the right lane 
to go through the intersection, but there's a turning lane on the right and we're surrounded by cars. And uh, this one gal has her car is kind of in our lane. And so I, I, he's trying to inch up to try to get between her to get to the, through the cars to get to the front of the line so we can get through the light. And uh, <laughs> he gets up next to the driver's window and I leaned out the window and I said, excuse me, ma'am, would you mind pulling your car over just a little bit? We really need to get through here. It's an emergency. And she looks up at me and I'm just pouring blood all over the side of the truck. <laughs> and she screamed and <laughs> screamed and turned her wheel and pulled out of the way. And uh, we pulled up and then the, the light... Uh, the light was still red, and I said, um, I'm not going to ask you to run this light because there's, there's too much, too many lanes of traffic going all the different directions. It's too easy to get hit. But we have our emergency flashers on, and he's flashing the headlights, and um, uh, he, he got up to the line, and then the minute the light turned green, which it just did pretty quickly, mm-hmm. he roars through the intersection and you know cuts over in front of the car in front of him and gets me up to the hospital and takes me into the emergency room at the local hospital. This is a high, very high-end hospital in Thousand Oaks, California. And um, uh, we go roaring up to the emergency room, and, and I'm just I'm marching myself in there, you know, and I'm still holding my hand like this. I'm still bleeding, but I'm trying to slow the flow, you know, but I'm just covered with blood. And so is he. And and he, and he and the nurses are looking at both of us like, what, the, what is going on here? Wow. I said, number one, he has nothing to do with this. He drove me here. The blood on him is mine. And I got it all over my truck. And, you know, you know, it's, yeah. it's the, yeah, don't, don't worry about him. He had nothing to do with this. And, uh, and then I went into the emergency room and the doctor saw me. He said, we've got to get a surgeon down here right away um, and uh, get a, a, a plastic surgeon as well. And uh, they pulled two surgeons down there immediately. Thank God it was a quiet night. Yeah. It wasn't. I think there was only one other person in there. And, of course, because uh, it was a gunshot wound, the police showed up. And uh, and they're, they're questioning me like crazy, like, you know, who did this to you type thing. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, this is, this is pretty dumb. I did this to myself. I'm very experienced with firearms. And yet I shot myself in the hand. I don't even want to tell you how stupid I feel right now. But anyway, and the whole time I was in there, what, what, the, what the nurses and the doctors didn't understand is, why are you telling so many jokes? You're just cracking jokes, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, what else am I going to do? Cry my heart out? I mean, I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm telling jokes to the, to relax me and, and uh, try to make this easier on you guys because yeah. you're dealing with this here. This is yours. <laughs> try to fix me. Anyway. And so. Anyway, sorry. I, so, uh, so folks listening that, <clears throat> I mean, I, I've known, like I've spent many, many months with Steve and I swear, I, like every time, like I, this is like the fifth new story I've heard tonight, <laughs> you know, like we're not, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy. So, you got a lot of crazy stories, but that's not why you couldn't go on the Lady Washington. No, that wasn't why. Yep. Okay, but you don't recall what what I injury. don't recall that I got injured that why I couldn't do the two uh, two weeks in the mast. But was that because you guys were going to go up the coast? Well, we were headed up the coast, yeah. But I thought because didn't you apply to get on Lady Washington? I did. Yeah, and then yep. I I thought I thought you were all set to go, and then you got injured somehow. Is what I thought. I, I wouldn't be surprised that I did. I was, I was, I was, I was going through phases of was hurting skiing, myself. Apparently, was it, I, mean, there, I don't know, like <laughs> something. Anyway, not uh, skiing. Uh, probably something on one of the farms, or maybe that's when I rolled that tractor over on the farm. Okay, well, let's. That's we'll, a different story. Let's get on to boats because you know, <laughs> hopefully uh, we're, we're only like ten minutes into this. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, right. Okay, so boats. Uh, yeah, so you couldn't get on Lady Washington, and yet. You you followed us from afar, like you. I, I did, and then so, so talk about. Well, you had an RV. You had this amazing RV. 
Oh, I just bought the RV. That's right. Um, so I was... Um, I actually had a dream with that RV. It was to go to Canada, right? Oh, yeah. I was going to Canada. Yep. And we just, we screwed you over. And I, yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I got waylaid. It was, you know, it was like a drunken sailor in a bar, man. I, next thing I know, <laughs> my whole life changed. I went to, went a whole different direction. But yeah, I was heading to Canada with a, uh, um, and I didn't have a Jeep then. But I was going to buy a Jeep to tow behind the RV and then go up to Canada and explore all the back ro- uh, back roads and, and get up into some high altitude stuff up in Canada. Mm. Uh, beautiful country up there. Anyway, and the people, not bad either. They're, they're, they're <laughs> Very nice people. Reputation being pretty nice. It's yeah. true. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I know a few up there. So, I yeah. Um, so, I had bought the RV and I had the pilot already because I was running around with the crew and my pilot. Okay, yeah. And yep. doing shore support and stuff with you guys when you're when you're down there. Uh, and this was when you were in Oxnard, right? Uh, Oxnard Ventura. Was it that far south? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we met Nora. That's right. It yeah, was yeah. the further south. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, you, it, wow. It was really far south. So, I had my friend Al was there. And Nora was there. Uh, we went out and sailed on the boat. And that's when you gave me the helm. Not realizing <laughs> that I had never done it before. Because <laughs> I, I told you that I had actually sailed on a sailboat mm-hmm. and had taken the helm of a sailboat before. But nothing like you know, the lady Washington. Oh, like, I, I give everybody the hell. What's the worst that can happen? You know, yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and you actually complimented me and said I did a really good job. In fact, you, you kind of take the uh, the helm away from me as we got into the dock. You're well, like, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I don't trust anybody that hasn't been trained. No, I didn't um, trust myself either. Yeah. When, when going into the dock. So no. as people probably listening to this podcast know, as, as Captain Lady Washington, you, you actually hand the tiller over to somebody else and have to give them orders. Great example of that is with uh, Jenny Storm in my interview with her, because uh, because I she thank goodness I'd done the the commands with her prior because we ended up doing a lot of stuff that she had never heard before and so so we we got through wow it easily yeah. but but yeah so there's a little bit of trust involved and there's there's uh but, but you know I I'm, I was pretty good at I remember you gave me instant training on it right then it was like oh, yeah, okay oh, yeah, yeah yeah take take the tiller and, and this one I'm gonna when I say this this is what I mean and I'm like okay yeah. I can do that. Simple yeah. enough. No, it's 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 not it's not hard, but you know, little little trust always involved. So, but I was really hoping to be on board as a uh, as a crew member, but um, I don't recall getting hurt. So I, I'm sorry I don't have the story for that. It's all right. I'm <laughs> but, sure it wasn't that impressive. It wasn't as impressive getting shot in the hand. That's <laughs> gosh, it wasn't my it wasn't my falling at the beach house because I had two years of surgery on mm. that shoulder. That was behind me. Hmm. Well, regardless, anyway. it ended up being a blessing for the, the ship and the crew because we needed the shore support. We needed somebody to drive us to the store. We needed, um, you know, and then and then there were things where it's it was so nice because you, know, you were part of the crew, but, but but you weren't. You were off on your RV, you know, so you never spent the night. You never did anything like that. But but we'd have you on board and, and be hanging out. And then, you know, slowly by slowly, you, you became more and more part of the crew. But it was like when we needed something, you were like, oh, oh I've got that. Yeah. Like, yeah. like my, I remember we had, uh, oh, what was it? Oh. Cause you said, yo, do, do you want, was it 42 inch screen? T- what was the size of the TV? It was, a, it was, it wasn't a small TV, but the, uh, the fold down one that we did in the that, cabin. Yeah. You said, I got yeah. this TV. And that was in, that was actually in Oxnard before you left. Remember I did it on the very day you guys dropped your lines. I was finishing it up, That's installing right. it. And you were it just, late. just jamming yeah. myself trying to meet the deadline because you guys were going to drop lines and you were gone. Yeah, well, what, what happened is because you had this TV and you're like, Johan, I got this TV, you know, flat screen TV. Do you guys want it? Because we really didn't. We had a projector, I think, which was kind of tricky to set up. But And I was like, Steve, I do, but I don't. I think and, that was a 35-inch flat screen. Okay, yeah. so so like, you know, for a boat, that's pretty pretty darn good. 
And so I'm like, Steve, I do and I don't. And here's why I don't want it. Because, like, I think for the crew, it'd be great. We'll watch a movie together. Very easy. Lovely. But what's going to happen is I'm going to see stow it properly. I'm going to make sure it gets see stowed every transit. But then I'm not going to be captain. Someone else will be captain. And right. they won't give a damn. Or blah, blah. Sooner or later, it's just going to be forgotten. It's going to be see stowed wrong. It's going to be destroyed. And now we got more garbage in the dump. And I, I just, I, I don't want that. Yeah. I, and I'm like, the only way we could do this is if, you know, you had like... Like if somehow we could have some sort of a contraption that would let it fold down and then, you know, fold back up again to the ceiling. And and you're like, I could do that. (laughs) Yeah, we can't. We couldn't mount it on the wall in there. There was no, 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 there was no no wall space in there. No way. Plus it would get slammed. Yeah. Somebody stowing something or or smashed. So yeah, the only way it could do was hanging from the overhead and it would have to fold down. And you're like, I'll I'll make it. And so you end up, you you bought like these, you know, hinges that were like rust proof. And you, you really went, you know, really did a great job making this contraption but yeah i remember it was to the last minute you were working on it before oh yeah we got it away i finally got it done i got wired yeah. and it was all ready to go but yeah i, I it, couldn't test it a hundred times in a row to make sure <laughs> it wasn't going to fall and hit somebody in the head but no no i it think we had it secured pretty darn good so oh yeah it was it was yeah. definitely secured. and then hiding all the cables and getting everything you know yep. as weatherproof as possible and yeah the it, dvd dvd deck was mounted up on up inside <laughs> the uh in the ceiling up there you know yeah. next to it and <laughs> yeah to my knowledge i don't know what it's like now but but, but yeah, for many years, at least, that, that TV. The last time handy. I was on board, they um, told me that they were using it. So That's great. I Yeah, I always figured that they're at least going to have to replace that DVD player. But yeah. anyway. So stuff like that. It was yeah. just huge. Like the little small boat you had that you gave to us. And yeah, it's really it's a three, lot, lot three, of support. Three small boats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excuse me. Uh, yeah, three, three inflatables uh, because I was... Uh, I was learning. <laughs> I was learning what to buy and what not to buy. And so we had to get up into stronger boats. And then we got to a um, uh, a rib. Yeah. yeah because, no, I, because they were destroying the boats on the docks. Remember? They were dragging them on the cement and up onto the docks. Oh. And they were tearing holes in the bottom of them. So I took the boat away before they destroyed it because they were brand yeah. new boats. And so that was the first boat I got away. The second boat I pulled. The second boat had a heavier material, mm-hmm. Hypalon. And, um, and I was hoping that was going to work out, but it, it, yeah, the, when I caught up, where was that? It was up in Oregon, I think. Uh, and they had dragged it down a cement dock. Oh my gosh. And I looked underneath it and I went, guys, there's put a tarp down. I mean, this isn't yeah. rocket science, throw a tarp down. If you slide it up over the side of a dock, throw it, throw tarps over. So it slides on, on, you know, on a tarp anyway. So. I tried to teach another lesson in that, but um, yeah, they were like not enough continuity. Yeah, it's, yep. it's just how it is. Yep. Um, so anyway, unfortunately, that's... <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was good because uh, I do recall you. You were because uh, you were our uh, push boat for a while there too. That's you, right. You'd help me out, especially. I bought, in, a, uh, I bought a marine radio with a handheld. On, I mean, uh, up on my yep. up on my chest, and yeah, there's a learning curve there give, too. Yeah, <laughs> giving signals. <laughs> How hard yep. do you want me to push this thing? Full yep. full throttle, half throttle. <laughs> so you worked out a whole a oh, whole yeah. process oh, yeah. no, for no, that. No, I, I I I don't know what it is. I, I, some people have a hard time with. I, I love having push boats. It's just like the yeah the coolest thing, and um, especially when, when I have two. I mean, I, I can I could totally see docking one of those massive tankers, or because. You know, I don't know. Every time I've had two push boats, you know, I'm just like, this is so great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you, know, you just, oh, you push here, you push there. And, you know, I couldn't imagine having a bow thruster. What a luxury that would be. Well, and you, uh, one of the crew members that had hand woven, what's that called? The, a pudding. A pudding. That's yeah, right. Thank so, you. So it's a protective rope mat that you yeah. put in front of the boat, which which is necessary, obviously, on a, a little 
both your you know little zodiac um yeah we, we made a pudding yeah he made a pudding for it and i so that uh, wears out i went out and i bought a a different uh by that time i, I bought a, a 9.9 four stroke and the prop on it was um the standard prop from the factory but not a great one for pushing so i went out and bought a pitched prop that was designed specifically for thrust so i could push the boat better okay so that's what's on it right now is i've still got the thrust uh uh, propeller sitting on that motor so <laughs> i need to switch that back to the regular anyway yep, but the other to... fun thing was the inflatable boat I, I don't know if you remember this but up in oregon too remember being boarded by the pirates over the <laughs> which pirates we went over and we boarded the chieftain with oh. the inflatable boat oh and, yes oh, yes yeah. yes that was oh. top secret yeah that's oh, right yeah that's right oh because yep. it was a windless well no that would have been in redwood city I think it was Redwood City. We must have had the small boat because that was the first time we were using the small boat. We had it on board. I almost, I'm almost certain because there was no really? wind. I remember that pretty distinctly. I thought it was Redwood City. Okay, well, I remember it was Oregon, but anyway, I think it was Redwood City. Oh, we, it was still in California. Wait yeah, because it was, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was, yeah. We were doing a battle sail with Hawaiian chieftain. There was no wind. Yep. And so on no wind sails, it, we're doing a battle sail, and you cut the engines, and the boats are just like bobbing there. It's like right. boring as sin, you know. So. So time, time to liven things up. Yeah. So, so I, I you know, so we, we had it all planned out. So we like lowered the the zodiac down on the you know the starboard side. I think it was. Yeah. Maybe I can't remember now, but whatever side was was not away from the chief. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was all top secret. And then like our boat kind of sailed away, and then our little small boat came out, and, and they're rowing and row, you know, heady over. And uh, they had my, I had like a, a LARP sword and like, you know, and so they're trying to board and then, you know, Chieftain crew pulls out the fire hose and sprays them down. And then the captain like, you know, wrenches the sword out and took my sword. I, had to, I forget what I had to do to get that back. I had to do something. You did have to do something but, uh, as I recall. Yeah. But then the, the crew, <laughs> Lady Washington crew, I think it was uh, Safety Dave and, um, and Ethan. Ethan Nielsen, yep. they came back and they're covered head to toe in water. <laughs> and, so and, and he comes back and you know all the passengers are laughing. They're having a good old time. And he says, sir, the boarding party wishes to report that we have sustained heavy casualties. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Was pretty great. And, and the people, you know, we had the public on board both ships at the time and they loved it. They yeah. loved it. They thought that was uh, awesome. So then it was after that. Because <laughs> then we went to Sausalito and that's where we had Ethan's birthday. His 20, was his 20th birthday? 21st? I think it was his 20th. 20th birthday, yeah. Yeah. And we did that crazy, mm. I'm, I'm not even going to talk too much about it because uh, I want to do the details. Someday I want to interview Ethan. Oh, yeah. But You've got to get that recorded because that was an amazing oh, thing that you guys pulled off. That was so funny. Amazing. It, was, it was like just the entire crew group effort and, and it, was, it was perfect. But I, I wish I had a camera on me. Well, that was the, the original goal was to have like a, a, a GoPro. We did get some footage of it, yeah. parts of it. Yeah, I know. But, but the, well, the funniest thing was. Uh, but I got to watch the beginning to the end. Right, because I was inside the uh, the aft cabin when they did the whole thing, and they went down below. Oh. Yeah, well, and you were you guys. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I guess I got to describe some of it. I'll, basically, Ethan, we were we were doing. Ethan was totally into Zelda and like role playing and that kind of stuff, and so we ended up doing like this almost like a LARP of a birthday party, but throughout the ship where he had to be like go on a quest, and and I'm not going to do it justice at all because I don't want to talk about it, but I do recall. You know, when he left my, my captain's cabin, like, you know, all the lights were out in the aft cabin and you and, and Safety Dave and somebody else 
or maybe it's, I forget who it was. Maybe it's Catherine, the chief mate, but the three of you guys. It was Catherine. It was Catherine. Yep. Yeah. So the three of you guys were like in hoods and you're sitting yep. there and I, and I was, it was all I yeah. could do not to laugh we just, we just my had head can, off. I think we had a candle on the table. It was the only light in the Oh yeah. There's candles, light. red lights. I think we're lit. shining and, up on but, our face and we're all hooded. But you ended up, Ethan had to go on these various quests and, and there were riddles, but, but the yes. whole, I'm just listening to this. Oh, oh, I don't think you could do it. Like you guys were talking like Yoda, which I think you probably started. I it started just, it. Yep. It was so funny. Yeah. I did. I did the really deep voice too. Oh, it was yeah. really funny. And I can't remember what I said either, but it had something to do with you know whether or not I thought he was going to survive this quest. <laughs> I think not. You know, it's like <laughs> but yeah. So obviously you were becoming part of the crew at that point, but then, but still not part of the crew. Still separate in your RV. And then we got to Bodega Bay, and I believe that is where we went to the Italian restaurant. Oh yeah. And you took the whole Lady Washington crew in your RV. Yes, I did. And there was the chieftain crew was there, and they got help from some other local folks, and we I think we all. We drove out to this amazing Italian restaurant, and I heard for the first time today that the entire valley there was it was a great restaurant. I remember that we were all oh, dressed yeah. up. I was in my tuxedo, I think, or something. I can't. I think I must have been dressed. Or no, I don't think you were dressed. No, up no, in I wasn't one. dressed in my tuxedo. Nope. That comes later. Yep. But oh yes, <laughs> but, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But the uh, but yeah. So, you so we saying, had both crews in there for this mess. You know, we they gave us this huge room to go into because mm-hmm. um, they had this big like a ballroom in there basically had a piano in it. And, uh, and so the whole crew was in there and, and we just had one heck of a dinner party. It was so much fun. <laughs> and they were building all kinds of stuff on the table. I don't That's know what was right. going on. Remember oh that? Oh my gosh. They were yeah. playing. What were they building? I forget. Yeah. It was so silly. They were building ships and, you know, doing battles with them or something. Like I can't remember. The mashed potatoes or something. I yeah. can't remember. It was yeah. something like that. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we started singing shanties and songs yep. and you were, you were telling me. So what, well, well, we moved into the bar. Mm, so uh, okay. we yeah. were leaving and we moved into the bar. So we left the restaurant so they could clean up after us. And we moved into the bar and the, the bar was, uh, I think, I would say half full. I think all the all the seats on, in the bar were taken mm-hmm. on the bar itself. But there was uh, you know, lots of standing room and we filled the whole bar with two <laughs> crews in there and we started singing shanties and singing them loudly like you should. And um, uh, I had heard later that uh, locals in the area had reported this uh, uh, in the pa- newspaper. I actually wrote this up that uh, that locals had heard this miles away from town. They heard these huge voices and they were like, what's going on? Is there a sing a song fest going on or, you know, something we don't know about, but uh, yeah. Anyway. And the locals loved it. The ones that were in the bar, remember yeah. how they got into it and they were just oh, that's awesome. having a, so much fun. Oh. Well, what I remember most about that night was and the drive then, home. Yes. And you, you took us back home in your RV. And so I, I snuck in the back of the RV and I put on, I had it to my tuxedo. And this was all well planned out because we're like, oh, we wanted we want to do something nice because I think you were leaving. I think that's, you were about to leave or. Well, you guys were going to leave. You were going to head up the coast to Oregon. Right. And I was uh, going to head up in my RV, but we were splitting up and I right. wasn't going to see you for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the crew got together and we, and we you know, we, we were like, what can we do for Steve? And we made you a burgee. We made you a burgee, but they're like, oh, how do we present this? And so I thought, I, I got an idea. I think Steve will appreciate it because we're going to an Italian restaurant and I had bought for, for Preston, my, my old shipmate Preston, who I also interviewed. He listened to his interview. It's great. Semi-sober interview of Preston. But I had bought a tuxedo. Well, 
I meant to rent a tuxedo and then I didn't realize you had to like go in advance and get like, I just figured they'd have a bunch of tuxedos in my size. And I was wrong, you know? And so they're like, we don't have your size. Like you should have come in and gotten measured. I'm like, uh, uh, what do I do? And the guy's a great salesman. He's like, look for a couple hundred dollars more. You can buy the tuxedo. Then you own it. I was like, oh, you jerk. You're right. All right, fine. Whatever. So after that, I'm like, crap, I spent all this money on a stupid tuxedo. Like three which, or, you, which you look very good in, by the uh, way. Thanks. So, yeah. Like three or very 50 classy. bucks. I'm like, oh man, I need every excuse in the world I can think of to do like, to wear this tuxedo. So it's worth the money. Uh, yep. And yep. so that evening was no exception. Like Italian dinner. All right. Tuxedo at the Italian restaurant, a little inappropriate, but afterwards you know and so and on the i drive had no home, clue of anything going oh, on. oh yeah no you're just driving home happens no to me the whole crew knew so i i get dressed in a tuxedo and then we pull up to the parking lot you know by the boat and then josh josh scornavachi pulls out a pistol <laughs> like a on toy me. a toy pistol on you i don't think the crew knew how well armed you were at the time but <laughs> yeah josh scornavachi pulls a pistol on you actually anything josh would do i would just laugh i wouldn't even yeah. think it was serious yeah. so <laughs> and he takes you over we like turned out all the lights and just lit one like light over your table so overhead yeah. like a spotlight exactly on the like table. an interrogation like a yep. cd you know kind of whatever interrogation and, table and josh and, josh has got me i'm like <laughs> he just sits you down i got straight armed in yeah. there realizing like, the whole crew's there the boss wants to see you it's like what yeah <laughs> and then we start they start playing the theme from the godfather and i come out and just like completely godfather like ignoring <laughs> you steve you know yep. and then i just kind of look like i forget how i did exactly but i look slightly glanced over and i just looked away and held my hand out, palm down. Yeah, you knew what to do. I <laughs> had to kiss the ring. Absolutely, I kissed the ring. I had to. And you just yeah, yeah you started kissing my hand, and then I, and I said, Steve, sit down. You know, or then we so we, we both sit down. and said, Steve, you you're like family. You know, you're like I do this whole Godfather thing, and like we we want to say give our thanks. And so you know, we pulled out the burgee. At this and, point, I'm getting more frightened because <laughs> I have no idea how bad this could go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we gave you the Burgie, and, yep. the, and I, f- I forget what else we did, but it was yeah, uh, it was it was so amazing, yeah. it was so awesome. So, and I saw the Burgie in my RV, man. I oh, that's awesome. I look at it and I appreciate it very much. Yeah, yep. I miss special. That. Times. I miss that. That was really special times. Yeah, yeah it was yep. great. So yeah, so you, end, you ended up you, you haven't still haven't made it to Canada. You're still working on that. You're in Washington State now. So close, <laughs> getting so closer. Close. Ah, it's only been what? How many years? I, I, I've lost track. I don't know. What, seven years? Oh, geez. Has it been that long? My God. Was it 2015? That long? Wow. I think so. Wow. That's crazy. It had to be right there. 15 or 16. 15 or 16. Yeah. Right in there. Yep. Now, when did we go to Mexico? Because we were lucky enough to well, go. Well, that was after that. Yeah. Obviously after that. Yeah. 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 So uh, that uh, was in 18, I think. No. No, it's not. Because I remember, oh, man. Because I remember we were in Zawatanejo. And it was 2017. Oh, 17. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we had New Year's, yep. and it was well after New Year's. Well after. And we're in Zawatanejo, uh, anchored out on my way, and this drunk bro guy comes by, all you know, just like dumb as a stump on this on this jet ski. And to, and you weren't there at that point in time, but Megan and I were. And he's like, Z, you know, he calls Zawatanejo Z-Town. It's like, Z-Town 2016, baby. And we're just like, what? <laughs> This guy, like, it's been a month. Like, it's no longer 2000. Like, the guy is so drunk and stupid. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. But, yeah, so so 2016 was when it was that we went down there, I believe. 
because uh, we did have New Year's down there, did we not? Yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah. So, so oh yeah, the New Year's celebration they had in the square down there. Yeah. So we were on a seventy foot catamaran my way, uh, this awesome luxury catamaran out of San Francisco or, or Berkeley, I guess, and uh, with our friend Don, uh, who I also hope to interview at some point. He's an incredible character. But yeah, so you joined us for that trip south, and then and then we were off of Puerto Vallarta, but we were anchored. We were anchored there for well, like a month. Where well, were we? Well, see, now I went on board as an engineer, and and ah. I just have to mention in here just about our our little fiasco coming down the coast. Yeah, it was pretty rough to Mexico. Yeah, it was pretty anyway, rough. Anyway, yes. we don't have to delve into that. And uh, we got to yeah, but so we went on my way. We got down to Mexico, and then you ended up getting shot five times. Yes. In the I butt. Did. I got shot five times. In the butt. Well, more times if you count the one in the arm. So <laughs> if I count all the shots, yeah, at least six. So obviously, <laughs> folks, we're talking about medical shots, not actual bullet wounds. And this, unfortunately, this time, and this not time. tequila shots. What is up with that? Oh, right. man. Oh, man. So much can happen so in Mexico. So disappointing. Uh, yeah, so let, let's, yeah, you, let's yeah, talk about and, that. You and Megan were uh, watching me die on board the ship, basically. Well, we were watching our fat cells grow. So Megan, yeah. we were eating way too well and drinking, yep. like, like drinking well, and and just I still swear to God I'm losing my Mexico fat. And uh, was, now, what, where was that that we went to initially? Was that Veracruz? It's Puerto Vallarta. Well, Puerto well Vallarta. no, first we went to Cabo. First we went to Cabo. Yeah, we went to Cabo. Then we, yeah. then we went across Puerto Vallarta, and yeah. then there was a small little um, awesome yeah. little village. Where all the cruisers hung out, so yeah. you had it was really cool because they had a lot of families there, and, and you know, so the, these cruisers will will have like the radio. You know, every morning they do like a radio, kind of all talk to each other on the radio and do announcements. Yeah, that was awesome. Stuff. Yeah, really felt Very like good a community. community. Yeah. yeah, it really felt like that, and it was it was um, so really inspiring and awesome. <laughs> but uh, but. And we also discovered the local cuisine was magnificent. Well, especially the German restaurant in Mexico <laughs> <laughs> that had Go schnitzel night. I think it was Tuesdays. You got oh, like two schnitzels for the price the, of one. The best homemade schnitzels you Incredible could probably ever buy. Beer. Oh, it was the best freaking schnitzel ever. And yep. I, I just got so fat. It was. <laughs> I mean, who knew that you would find a German restaurant right there in the very town that oh, we were anchored up in? It was incredible. Sweet. It was, it was too good. But, yeah. but so how did you get sick? Because you got... You got a bug so I took um, so before the night before actually that um, we uh, dropped lines and, and headed up to that small community. Uh, I had taken Megan out to have dinner. You were doing something, I believe, that had to do with the ship. You're doing paperwork with the owner or something. I don't Thank know. Thank goodness. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I invited her to go out to have dinner, and we went and had dinner on one of the in one of the restaurants in the square that overlooks the harbor there. Okay. And um, uh, there was one appetizer in there that um, I I ate it, and I thought, hmm, that didn't quite taste right. Not very good. Didn't mm. like it. And uh, anyway, so thank goodness Megan didn't get sick from this. Uh, she had the same appetizer. She did not. Or I don't think not. so. I don't think so. I she claims she on. did. Well, she yeah, she might have. Uh, huh. But mine was tainted for sure. Maybe they were trying to kill me off. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I uh, I just didn't feel well that night. And then, as, as you know, going all the way up to anchor up and all that stuff, I just continued to fail every day. I just started getting weaker and weaker and, you know, locking myself in my cabin and just like, oh, my gosh, it was not yeah. good. Not good at all. And you guys, thank goodness, recognized something was seriously wrong with me. And well, you were giving us I – mean, I didn't get all the symptoms. Had I known the symptoms, I would have yeah, taken was, you to the hospital the I day was trying part. not to bother you guys. Yeah. Steve. Idiot. Uh, I know. Once I know. again. Once yep. again. Don't uh, – 
But I mean, but how many people care for a stalker? I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, I uh, yeah, I did not tell you all the all the symptoms, and when you finally heard it all, it was like, <laughs> yeah, we're going right now. So you so guys loaded, you. Load, dragged me into an inflatable boat and yeah. bounced me across the uh, the bay and got me up onto the dock and then dragged me through town, which Quite was literally one of the <laughs> longest walks I think I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> suffering the whole way and then finally got up to the clinic up there and and here's the funny part so i go into the clinic and and um they call they call the doctor to come down he wasn't there yet there's just Mm -hmm. the nurses are in there but they take me in and they do my vitals and do all that kind of stuff and sit me down in there and um uh, the doctor comes in and he goes well you're really severely dehydrated so the first thing we got to do is you you know we're going to keep you here all day today and you're going to be getting intravenous fluids to get you back up again because you are totally it's like what do you mean i'm dehydrated i'm like where's the mirror i don't what and apparently you and megan actually had kind of seen that in my face and stuff yeah. so i didn't know but yeah, yeah. uh but anyway so i'm on death, intravenous death was... <laughs> and then here's the funny part the doctor goes and i told the doctor he says well so where have you been eating at and stuff what uh, what's been going on what what do you think caused this i'm like God, the only thing I think of is the last place we ate was down uh, at that's this this restaurant on the square, and I told him the name of the restaurant. And he goes, "Oh, not another one." He's like, "Oh my God, I know. Uh, yep, I know those that restaurant very well, and they have been gotten a lot of people gotten sick eating there." Wow. I'm like, "What?" So E. coli bacteria, wow. and so I had to get a shot every day. I'd go into town, go all the way up to the clinic, and get a shot, and then limp back to the boat. <laughs> Because I got a shot in my butt. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my whole week of pain. Yeah, uh, and we never let you off the I hook survived. from that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never lived that down. That's nope. <laughs> I survived. I survived long enough. I, you guys uh, took me up that mast yeah. a couple of times, that 70-footer. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I, n- I never even went up that mast. Wait, so. it wasn't 70. It was 90, wasn't it? It was probably more. Yeah, it was something like that. I think it was 90-footer. It was pretty high. <laughs> and, and of course the, the the dumbest thing I do is I left my phone down there I, I was going to go up and take a picture from on top and I twice I left the phone on the deck I'm like, oh well oh. at least we got the light fixed we got the light fixed yep which was which was crazy because what they what they'd done is they installed a new light bulb in it in San Diego and they hadn't they hadn't put it in properly <laughs> I just San Diego yeah no I'm and sorry Marina not San Diego new, MDR. Uh, Marina Del Rey yeah yeah no that Yep. They had oh. paid somebody to go up that mast and replace the bulb in there. And then they couldn't get the light to work. And then we had to leave and, you know, we didn't have time to deal with it. And it turns out the guy just didn't put the bulb in right. I just, I popped the bulb in. And I said, I tested it with an ohmmeter and I said, this light, this bulb is good. The filament's good in here. Let me put it in and go turn the, go turn the switch on. Yeah. Like it works. It was a good trip. Yeah, it was a good trip. It really was. And I really special. enjoyed the company of you and Megan. I mean, that was, I couldn't get better. A better captain and, and first mate than than you two. My gosh. Well, Megan's amazing. And Megan is amazing. She's an incredible cook on top of everything else. Well, she learned a lot from you because there were so many, you know, a lot of the systems had to get fixed and replaced. Yep. And yep. so she learned wiring. I mean, that was her introduction to that. Yep. Um, which which was great. Yeah, you guys so. were working on that the uh, the vacuum flush system in there that was just a total. Nightmare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got a picture of the two of you upside down yeah. inside the whole. The, 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 <laughs> well, I got a great picture of Megan as to- Mr. Toilet Bowl Head because <laughs> <laughs> she was sitting there and she's like, "Give y'all give me a screwdriver." And 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 just from my perspective, it looked like the toilet bowl was her head, <laughs> and so I I you know the lid was down, and so I put like some toilet. Pull bowl rolls on it and like made like a smiley face and she's like what are you doing I was like 
don't just trust me you'll thank me later don't move <laughs> you know, don't move you'll thank me later and so i got mr <laughs> toilet bowl head picture i haven't seen that is, picture oh, you haven't probably, seen it oh, probably for good reason it is hilarious we'll have to, <laughs> yeah it's it's really funny that's great but uh, i actually have it when i do my kids book presentation um that's one of the, the things where i talk about like oh and sometimes we joke around on boats and then i'll show mr toilet bowl head and all the kids laugh and so but uh but that's yeah good. So, that's good so you but Obviously, tall ships that like at this point in your life, that's kind of been the last thing you've done on boats. Like, there's other stuff that you've done boat wise, which I I was just finding out stuff today. So, what was your first experience on ships Uh, or boats uh, or the water? Well, I I sailed on a boat when I was a teenager once out in the Bay, San Francisco Bay, Mm -hmm. a real nice uh, schooner out there, and sailed that once. Do you remember the name of it? I don't. It it was owned by my the my psychiatrist owned it, and he was a a friend of my family. So it's private. It's private boat. Yeah. And uh, so I sailed on that a couple of times, and then um, uh, nothing after that. But I, of course, my family had a beach house down there on the beach in Ventura, so I was already a water baby. I just you know surfing and diving and. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I was already a water boy. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, but as far as getting into real boats, uh, I didn't really get into real boats. Let's see, had I sailed on the Westward yet? No, that was later. So uh, no, it wasn't. No, I did. I had sailed the Westward a couple of times. So the Westward is a, uh, a beautiful sailboat, privately owned. It's the one I was telling you about that has the uh, 24 karat gold uh, plating on the um, the air scoops. I forgot what they're called. I'm sorry. Dorades? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the outside of these things, they're huge and they're plated in 24 karat gold mm-hmm. because the owners own the largest uh, gold plating uh, company in the West, Western United States. Wow. And of course, that's what you do with it, right? Well, I guess. Uh... <laughs> I guess. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I just saw a photograph of that uh, boat on the front cover of oh. Sailing Magazine. When so, they... so just so po- po- folks oh. can visualize, the Dorade is that big tube that you see that, that kind of... It's, it, it looks like a tube, and then it, it that uh, how do you describe it? It looks to me like a like a, like a loudspeaker or something that you you know. Yeah, for, like a speaker, but then it rotates it's, down into the boat. Yeah, it's for capturing almost, air. almost like a pipe. Like picture like a, a little you know elbow pipe that you you cut off, and then it's got a great big and it goes mouth down on it. a big mouth, and it, it lets air circulate below, but it's also designed so that water can't get below. Yeah. It's just the design of it. So that's what yeah. a dory is. Anyway, so carry yeah. on. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. No worries. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you what kind of a boat that is. I, I can't recall right now, but uh, she's a Transpac sailor, and she's won several times Transpac races uh, California to Hawaii, um, and still races to this day. They still go and, and do that. I think it's every two years. Uh, but she was on, um, I think it was in the 70s, she was on the front cover of Sailing Magazine because she had won first place in it, and they had a picture of her out in in the race. Oh, wow. And you could see one of one of those 24-karat gold babies gleaming, and it's like you look at the whole photo and you're like, Anybody knows how bright that is? <laughs> that is not brass. <laughs> that is bright. It's the brightest thing on the boat. And it was like, yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, I've sailed her a couple times. She uh, she's owned still by the family, and uh, that is a uh, a close friend of my sister in law's that owns that uh, boat. And I've sailed on it. Many times. I just got an invite last week to go back down and go sail on her again. They're like, when are you oh. going to come down and sail on Westward? Oh, amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so I had some experience in that. But getting into serious boating, I didn't really get into serious boating until I started being involved with. Uh, well, wait, I'm sorry. Well, let's let's go back. So that's right. We're supposed to start at the beginning and go to the end, <laughs> and then stop. 
So back in the 70s, I had moved up here to uh, Kent, uh, Washington, and had a close friend that I moved uh, was living with. Um, <clears throat> that's after I got divorced too, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but um, uh, anyway, he was a fisherman. He owned a bow picker up in Cordova, Alaska. And uh, his cousin uh, was also had been a fisherman, but now had a large landing craft that he just converted and was taking up for the first time up the inside passage to use it as a, as a fishing tender. And a fishing tender is the boat that goes out and they, they kind of pretty much stay in one, one location. And then all of the fishing boats come to them and offload their fish, uh, and sell and, you know, offload the fish and get a ticket from them to go back to the cannery with, to get paid for the fish. And then they buy supplies from us like green steak, and, and oh, wow. okay. eggs and green steak and, you know, any kind of, of produce or anything edible they would buy from us. So they could stay out there as long as possible. So, so you were on the tender. I was which, on the tender. Which effectively is like the mothership. Yeah. Like, or, or a supply ship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, and uh, so uh, not not earning the levels that a crew hand would on a, on a full-blown fishing boat or anything, but also a lot safer. Yeah. And not, <laughs> and, and not the whole. Yeah. Um, manic depressive uh yeah. lottery ticket like yep you always the hear closures. the stories oh we made a hundred thousand dollars but then you don't hear about the we made and no then money. there's the closures too because uh as the years went by you know they started closing down the fisheries um sooner and sooner i mean they mm-hmm. would we would get just a call on the radio and say they're shutting it down in two hours everybody pull your nets and we're done for right now because they're not getting enough fish up the rivers so wow. they're watching the flow of salmon going up and they're yeah. you know, we're overfishing them. That's how they controlled it. So, um, wow. but anyway, so that's, that was, uh, but um, as, as I was telling your friend today, Scott, that mm-hmm. owns the ships down here, never, ever, ever, ever volunteer to crew a, a uh, landing craft. Oh, why is <laughs> Up that? to Alaska or any place offshore, really bad idea because <laughs> The landing craft doesn't have a bow. It has a big flat face that is designed to fold open on land, and you can offload all the cargo in your hold uh, from you know from your hold down there. Yeah, on the land, it's designed to land on 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 a beach. Right. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, the problem with them going offshore or anywhere in kind of kind of deep water. Number one, they're flat bottomed pretty much. Yeah. There's there's no real keel to them at all. Yeah. They don't have large chines on the side or anything to keep them from rolling, and um, and. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that Why was it. Was that? it was okay? It was it was an okay vessel until we got out of the inside passage. Obviously, <laughs> and and the this I'm not not realizing. First of all, I was really on. I mean, the boat wasn't very well built. I mean, this was a custom built, you know, home thing, home uh. project. Thing. So, you know, fa- home fabricated. Uh, not even World War II U.S. government standard. Well, that's like. yeah, but I mean, he built a, a two story cabin structure on top of it. Oh that, that was not part of the original vessel oh. because he, you know, he wanted to be able to see up higher and have a better view out and then create bunks you know and, and make room so that we had you know uh, a, a galley downstairs because my job on board that first year well i was the cook but i was also a deckhand but i was i was the cook for everybody uh anyway so the inside passage also what what what, what he discovered too along with me was that navigation for me is just like a no-brainer it's like he, I, he woke me up so many times coming up the inside passage. I think I'm lost. Can you help me figure out where I am? I'm like, you know, I look at the radar. I get the map out. I go, yeah, yeah, you're right here. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It, it is. <laughs> I, like, there, I, I think there are some people that just 
Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just they never got exposed as kids, should have been in Boy Scouts or whatever, but they, they just can't. <laughs> oh, and this guy's they, an they, Some people just get lost. This guy's experienced at running boats up in Alaska, but um, he had, I don't think he'd ever been up the Inside Passage before. Yeah. And it was the first time for him as well as me. But, yeah. I mean, I've, I've experienced it. Like, not everybody, I mean, because that, that's kind of your job. Like, when, or, well, actually, that's not true. If you go mm-hmm. in and out of the same place every day, every year, like, yeah, you can memorize it. Like you don't need yeah. to. You always know where you are because you yeah, can memorize and you it. learn and, the currents and you yeah, learn and you'll the, know it better than the weather, a person. The tides, all that. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's why you have pilots. Like yeah. they know that territory better than anybody else in the world. Yeah, so it makes perfect sense. But, but you know, but but the same. <laughs> but if you're if you're going to do a voyage, like you, you kind of, yeah. Well, thank God he had you because yeah, I have seen people where they just they get lost and they don't know what they're doing and they're reading it wrong and, and he had the map weird. out there you know he had a nice chart table out there and for us to work off of and yeah. um uh and and maps and everything and all that and and was trying to plot himself going up but he had no nowhere near the skill level that you have for navigation it was just well, <laughs> after i'm after after taking that course with you on, on board my way it's like Oh, that's how oh, it's the, done. <laughs> did I do a chart? Like, I did a chart course with you. Or? Yeah. Oh, that's oh yeah. Funny. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, wow. I mean, I know how to read a chart, and I know how to do this and that, but I never knew how to do that. That's that's you know. Yeah. Well, and, the, and now nowadays you got chart plotters where it's like yeah. any, any idiot can can do it. But uh, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a couple little tricks, I guess. But mostly <laughs> it's just I I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know how to describe. You just it's just, you just gotta be meticulous. And then if you do get lost, because because I had it one time, we were coming in to Port Ludlow, I think it was, uh, here in the Sound, and the and I remember coming in and like because we had a chart plotter and we had the paper chart, and then I had my eyeballs and all three of them were saying telling me different things. Oh, not good. yeah. And so wow. Some so I just wow. You know, and it, I mean, it, yeah. it seemed relatively safe. Like, it seemed like there was a big channel. This, but, I, but I just kicked the engine into neutral and was just like, what, where am I? Like, what's going on? Like, I knew where I was, obviously. But but I'm yeah. like, why is this, why is that buoy there? Like, I, and I forget exactly what it was. It was something like the char plotter. Long story short, there, so th- I'm, I'm seeing three different things. My eyeballs, char plotter, the paper chart, three different things. Turns out the chart plotter, what was it? It had it. The chart plotter was updated. The paper chart wasn't. I forget exactly how it worked. Something had been moved. Anyway, I basically sat down. And I was having a hard time figuring it out, which normally doesn't happen. So I'm like, crew, get, get over here. <laughs> like, mate, <laughs> come yeah. here. I need your eyes. Yeah. Like, am I am I seeing this correctly? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're seeing it. Like, okay. It's like, all right, let's figure out this problem. Let's figure out. And I forget what our solution was, but I did ultimately figure out that, aha, okay, that's a temporary thing. This hasn't been updated. This is like whatever it was, I was able to piece together the puzzle to be 100% confident that if we go this direction, we're not going to hit anything or run aground. 100% <laughs> confidence. Good. And then the engine started up again. But until that point, yeah, it was stop. like, stop, stop. figure yeah. it out. Like yeah. the conditions were safe. There was, we were in no hurry, you know. So we show up a few minutes later. Who cares? Uh, one of the fun things we did with the dra- um, the the vessel, by the way, the landing craft was called the Dragon because uh, <laughs> it was it just dragged and dragged and dragged. Oh. She was slow. She wasn't very fast. Twin engine, um, and not only that, oh God, the uh, the crew bunks were built into the upper cabin, where the in the same room as the helm, mm-hmm. and the exhaust stacks went straight up right through our bunks. 
<laughs> up into the roof. Oh, wow. So when you went to your bunk and you went to sleep, you had, oh, you had a nice warm stack there, <laughs> but you had the sound of these engines 24-7 just <sighs> vibrating in your head. It was like, how am I supposed to sleep with this? <laughs> oh, such a bad idea. So that's how you got up to Alaska. On an yeah, unstable, but, but completely... I'll tell you one more. Well, I got I got more stories about that because that that one transition from Seattle, from Port Townsend up to uh, Cordova, Alaska, we had a lot of wild experiences. And yeah. so, uh, if you, yeah, do, do you mind if I digress on that, Steve? This is cool, man. People have so, a pause button. If they get bored, they can just pause <laughs> yeah, it. It's all good. Yeah. Neener, neener. You're going to be sorry because you're going to miss out. There's some pretty wild stuff going on up there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is in uh, 1975 was the first year that I went up, and that was on board the landing craft. And um, one of the things that happened to us, we got uh, we were up about halfway up the uh, inside passage. Um, and when people talk about the inside passage, some people don't understand what that is. And that's basically a large body of water in between uh, islands and and the mainland, basically. And it's also between islands. It's also dumps into some open water in, in places. And this is mostly Canada. And, and it's oh yeah, it's Canada. It's, it's all yeah. Canada. It's okay. all yeah yeah. Okay. Uh, during the day, sunny day out, clear. But we're going through a very windy part where we're going around a lot of turns, S turns and stuff in the inside passage. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that doesn't work very well when you're going around large objects like that is your radar. Because you can't see over the you know the rocks or the island in front of you, right? Right. So you've got you've got nothing. You're having to watch your hell. You know, have to watch ahead of you constantly to see what's going on. We already knew that uh, we had a f- uh, ferry boat coming up from Seattle, up the Inside Passage, and that he was gaining on us um, uh, from behind. And so we were aware of that, and he was getting closer and closer, and we're just kind of watching what's going on. Well, we come around this turn, radar's clear. We come around a turn, and here's the tugboat in the center of the passage, and he's got two barges with cables all the way out, almost hitting the land on both sides. Oh. And we're like, what? And, and there was no time. He's coming down, uh, running with the current, yeah. and we're fighting the current going up, and we're like, where do we go? And then next thing we know, the, the ferry boat never slowed down. He was right uh, on our, uh, off to our, 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 right next to us. I mean, his hull was, and so we're like, you know, we, we tried to talk to him on the radio and we're like, uh, you see what's going on here? We're like, yeah, everybody needs to move over to this side real quickly. And, uh, and so we talked to the captain on there and we said, you know, how, 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 how shallow or how, how, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but how, how shallow can you go? How close can you go over there before, you know, it's a dangerous situation. You can't go any further. So we basically had our boat right up against his hull. I could have reached out with my hand off our rail and pushed against the boat. Oh and, uh, we, you know, we both had slowed down, but we we're still, you know, trying, we're still trying to, even if you went stationary, you had your engines running because mm-hmm. the current was so strong, very strong current. Yeah. And, and that's why these barges were spread out like this. The tugboat was not able to go fast enough to pull the barges behind him. Oh my God. They had spread out from the current. Wow. So, um, he had, I'm, he, we watched and we saw him throttle up on the tugboat down there. Thank God for that. But when he saw us, he throttled up because he knew that he had blocked our passage for all the vessels. Yeah. And um, and <laughs> it was close. And uh, the, the the anyway the barge the the barge went past our boat on this on the um, <laughs> I can't even say starboarder. I can't even say the terms right now, but she passed us so close over that we were we thought we were going to die because if we hit a cable, it would have it would have destroyed our boat. Yeah, cut us in half. Yeah. You know, and um, so uh, 
uh, it came, I would say it probably came in uh, maybe 250 feet off of our boat was okay. the, the final, the barge back there. And and we're snuck right up against the ferry boat. And the... Uh, the, the and that sounds like a lot of distance, but with that size of no, vehicles... You got too many, that, too many variables. Yeah, Everybody's like current. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, plus praying. the current. You know, the, the ferry boat had pulled us to us, and he's pushing water, right? And when he slowed down, he pushed water ahead of him, yeah. which hit us from behind. And we're like, you know, we're trying to keep ourselves straight. Anyway, so the... Uh, uh, I remember going out onto the, the deck because I I was out there. The captain, you know, uh, Lance was at the wheel <clears throat> at that point, and I walked out there. And I was I was on the deck, so I can tell you how far away that that uh, ferry boat was from me. And I look up on the flying bridge up there, and the captain's up on the on the flying bridge, and he's like <laughs> shaking his head, <laughs> like "Holy moly!" And uh, he got us on the radio afterwards. He says, "I I couldn't see that coming either. I'm up much higher with my radar." And I couldn't see that guy coming around the corner. I had no clue that was there. Yeah. And what, <laughs> like, this is the 70s, you said? Yeah, 75. This is all pre-AIS. This is yep. all pre, yep. like, so many things. Oh, yep. my gosh. Yep. Yeah, the only thing we had was radios. plotters. Yeah. Wow, so radios just, and a radar. Yeah, so yep. we, we we warned the the ferry boat, and, and he got back to us. He said, oh, yeah, I see it coming. He, he's got a better view than we do because we're down low to the water. But mm-hmm. we're like, those are, you know, <laughs> Lance, I'm looking at Lance. Those are steel cables coming at us. <laughs> it's like, this is not good. <laughs> anyway, timing is everything, too, you know. Wow. It, you know, if we'd known, either we would have been further ahead of the ferry boat and it wouldn't have been quite the issue, or we would have dropped in behind him yeah. in his wake and we would have, you know, been protected that way. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. well, and, and hopefully nowadays, I mean, an issue like that just wouldn't come up because you'd see it on a chart plotter and you'd have AIS. And I mean, I think there's a. I'm not sure how they track those um, those barges though, hanging out with steel behind them. You know, they must have they must have beacons or something on those things now that they can track them. You know. I don't think so. I, I don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah, but, I never. I but never, that said, that yeah. said, you wouldn't be surprised, you know. Yeah. Like you could, you know, that ferry boat would have contacted the tugboat, and hopefully they say, "Hey, oh, I, I got two barges I'm towing. Hold on, let me speed up." You know, like right. like make it, it a safer situation. Well, well again, too. I mean, uh, the tugboat can't see us either. Right. Right. So right. it's like we just came blind around the corner yeah. and like, oh, man, and, you so, know. So definitely a lot. I mean, obviously, a lot of accidents get avoided today because of the technology. But then again, some get created because of technology. Yep. People cut corners that they would have never done in the past. You get uh, you have many, many, many more boaters out there that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like in the 70s when you're sailing around the world, I remember you know Don telling us, he's like, yeah, back in the 70s when you did that, you had to really know what you were doing. Like today, it's like, eh, you kind of got to Yeah, know. you can fudge it because you, you count on electronics yeah. to save you, basically. Basically, And yeah. that's not a good idea because electronics fail. It's true. And it's and they give false true. signals and they, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. So you really should know the basics before you head out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and have the right right yeah. philosophies. And I've, so, I've, the, so the next thing after that, uh, we've after that was uneventful going up. Uh, we stopped and refueled, uh, I think, Ketchikan. Uh, was our last stop on the way up. But um, uh, we're plotting, there's a great big storm moving in and we're plotting this storm coming in because uh, the storm was so large uh, that they were going to shut down the opening from the inside passage into the the, uh, Bay of Alaska. 
And uh, my captain was, you know, one of those gung-ho, we got to get this thing up there. You know, I've got a deadline. I need to get there. And oh, famous last words, the oh, deadline. Oh, man. So we <laughs> go, reason it's called a deadline. We were the last boat out, and the Coast Guard shut it down right after we went out. They're like, nobody else is allowed to go out there. You know, we never should have gone out there. Obviously, yeah. But we went out into this, the front of that storm coming in, and it was big and it was bad. And we lost an engine. Well, we were about, uh, I think, two miles out from the uh, from the uh, top of the the enter the exit from the inside passage, and we lost one of our diesel engines. Did you turn around at that point? No. Oh dear. No, but we couldn't. It was like uh, we had a single engine. We had thirty foot seas that were building to fifty, and they were fifty foot eventually. And yeah, and those I've never been in seas that big in my entire life. But I can tell you, watching watching this this big landing craft I'm on look like a toy boat going up the face of one of these rollers and then rolling down the backside of it and slamming right into our, oh, wait, we don't have a bow. <laughs> we have a flat wall that we're going to slam into the, the base yeah. of the next roller. And, and then your we're gonna, center of gravity's raised. And we're going to go back up this thing. Oh, so the only God. thing we could do is head talk. into it. We had no choice. Head into it. So I, I took the helm. Lance is down in the hole down there. He's... He's trying to suck fuel into a line or something. He's throwing up over the side of the boat, going back down again, trying to get that engine fired up. Because if that engine didn't fire up, we were in serious trouble. We probably would have died out there, literally. And yeah. um, and I know that to this day. It would have been, you know, light, lights out. This The only motor, the only engine that we had operational was the, um, the uh, star. I keep saying aft and, <laughs> oh God. Why do I keep thinking aft and starboard to right and left? That's wrong. Ah, sorry. It's me. It's me tonight. Sorry. Port and starboard. Port and starboard. I cap. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) So port engine. We only had a port engine operational and I'm up there and we've got it full throttle and, and I'm up at the helm and I'm driving this thing over these, you know, huge, massive rollers. I've never been in my entire life. Never been at the helm of a ship in something that big either. And, you know, and I'm having to keep this thing headed straight in because if we deviated and turned to our side. Oh, you're dead. Yeah. We're dead. We would have rolled immediately and we would have been uh, lost immediately. Yeah. Did, yeah, because I'm trying to, did you, it's the seventies. So did you have an automatic release life raft? No. Okay. And then of course the water is coming from, the and they, they told they told they told us that we had gumby suits on board, but never showed us where they were. Oh, great! Okay, oh, so yeah. you don't know where your gumby suit is, nope. but it doesn't never, matter much we, anyway because you're not. It's not like we, you're we didn't live. even have an, a safety exercise when we left to learn how to put one of those oh, things dear. on, right? God. And you're yeah. the last boat leaving, so it's not last like there's another leaving. boat behind you that's going to yep. catch you accidentally. Coast Guard knows you. we're out there, but they know we're in trouble. It's it's just bad, and if you know, yeah. and your life expectancy in the water that cold is probably minutes. Minutes, actually. Yep. Yeah, yep. without a gummy suit, you're probably just a few minutes, if if that. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. yeah. It's ice cold water. It's just like yeah, because it comes all the way from the Arctic. Well, Holy it's the Bay crap. of Alaska, and that's you know the icy bay. Well, that's why California's water is so freaking cold because you, that yeah. you get upwelling, which is another. Thing. Yeah, but still, um, it was bad. Wow. But anyway, we got that's the other. We, we got the engine operational, <laughs> and uh, and we motored through that storm, man. And it was, I'll tell you what, that was, I think that was a day and a half of just pure terror. Just not knowing if we were going to survive or not, but we we made it through that storm and it blew past. You know, we got further north and it blew to the south of us. And and uh, wow! So the whole purpose of this landing craft, uh, well, not the whole well, of that trip, was that we had our hull filled with all kinds of building materials, ATVs, 
uh, chainsaws, fuel, barrels, all kinds of stuff. We had this thing loaded to the hilt, tons of lumber. And uh, the what he had done is he got um, a lease, or I'm sorry, he uh, hired out to haul all of these materials to Icy Bay, Alaska. Okay. And Icy Bay, Alaska, if you look at a map of the Bay of Alaska, it's this great big round, kind of a bowl-shaped uh, bay, very large, uh, which includes the, the uh, inside passage dumping out to it. And then Icy Bay is right in the center of that. And Mount St. Uh, Mount, uh, Elias, Elias is the tallest mountain in the northern America, is is uh, is there with the glaciers on it, feeding ice. So it's, it feeds 70% of the ice into the Bay of Alaska. And um, so our job was to go up into uh, Icy Bay there, land on the beach, drop the bow, drop off all these supplies. And this, uh, this guy that hired us was a fisherman. And he had an airplane and a, and a landing strip in there. And he wanted to build a, a cabin in there. He had the uh, ATFs in there, uh, uh, in there to go uh, to be able to to run back and forth to the boat to haul uh, fish up to his to his airplane, and then he would fly it down the coast and then sell it down there. And he's getting, you know, how many people are fishing in Icy Bay, Alaska? You know, like zero. You know, wow. he was like one of the only ones that was doing it at the time, and being able to set up an airplane so they could fly his cargo down mm-hmm. and sell it right away. Instead of having to have big, you know, freezers or anything that he had to, you know, run fuel to operate on and stuff. Interesting. So, so anyway, so um, so we I hope he got a bonus for showing up so early <laughs> that we showed up at all. Oh my goodness! Wow. But we uh, anyway, we got there. We had pretty good weather. Came in, uh, landed on the beach um, at high tide, uh, and we had to time it so we had to ride the tide in. Because when the ice flows start coming out, there's no way you're going in, and you're also gonna your boat's gonna get destroyed, because they're you know they're massive icebergs coming out of there. I mean, it, the whole the whole river, the whole bay, everything's filled with ice. Um, so uh, we went in, got through, uh, in the bay, avoided a bunch of ice that was in. There's kind of a um, a breakwater that's a natural breakwater there before you get to where the ice flows come out. And behind that breakwater, there's kind of a small bay back in there, and that's where we went and landed. Uh, on the beach to unload all this equipment. So um, we, we got in there and let the tide drop, boat sitting flat on, which is what it was designed for, it's sitting flat on there. Because uh, in Alaska at that time, there was, I think we had 12 to 14 foot um, tides, okay. which is quite a bit <laughs> of yeah. water going in and out. So uh, you go in at high tide and you uh, anchor onto the, on the beach and you just let the, the tide drop you onto the, on the sand, open your bow up and, uh, and offload. And and that was great fun. We had really sunny, clear weather uh, suddenly came through. And um, one of the first amazing things to me was that when you have 12 to 14 feet of water dropping down, uh, aside from from landing crafts being dropped into place on the beach, there's mm-hmm. icebergs being dropped on the beach too. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, they were amazing. The deepest uh, blue-green you ever saw. And they had tunnels all through them. So, so you could crawl through them and do slides and stuff in them. Wow. Yeah, it was it was stunning. I wish I'd photographed that. That was something I'll, I'll never forget. But um, anyway, when we, were, we, got, we offloaded, and then we immediately had to plan the tide so we got out of there too. Uh, because we had to hit the tide where we could get floated and then be able to get out ahead of the ice flows. Okay. Because what happened is the small bay in there got filled with ice and it would crush your boat and sink it. I mean, just, I mean, that's very powerful. So um, 
we got out there. We actually uh, bent one of our props. We hit an, an iceberg with a prop on there, trying to get out into the ice flow uh-huh. as quick as we could as it started to flow out into the ocean. And then we made it out into the ocean and then beat our way all the way up to Cordova. And uh, But, anyway, yeah, wow. Anyway, we got to fly an airplane over Mount St. Elias and see all the mountain goats up there and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and see the huge glaciers in there and stuff. And uh, we also met a, a, cong- a retired congressman that was in there that had a canvas tent built in there or set up in there. And he had hunting, professional hunting guides bringing him back here. But we met this guy and he's he's like so so old that there's no way in heck he's out hunting anything. <laughs> he's just not going to do it. He can't hold a gun or anything. Oh, my gosh. But he's enjoying the heck out of himself. And, you know, it's got a hunting camp set up. And these guys are feeding him all kinds of great food and all that stuff. So life is pretty good for him. Anyway, so. Well, and this was just the start of your Alaska adventure, yeah. right? Yeah, that was before I even got to, to, you know, to Cordova, Alaska to start the job. So what was the job? What, what happened then? Uh, well, the last the last wild experience we had was before we got to Cordova. Lance, uh, because of the, the major earthquake they had up there, it had wiped out a a route that a lot of the boats used to use to get to Cordova. It's a shortcut, basically, from the Bay of Alaska in there. Uh, but Lance had been there and done this thing before, and we went. He, he insisted that we were going to go through this shallow water, beat our way through the shallow water. I just remember waking up, and I'm looking over, and one of the windshields on the flybridge, well, not flybridge, I'm sorry, on the on the helm was blown out. The, the the window was gone and uh lance is leaning out the window to see where he's going <laughs> he's got driving rain driving into his face and yeah. it's coming in the window too and i'm like what is going on you know and 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 uh, i just woken up to this nightmare and um it's it's still sunny out somewhere but it's light <laughs> out anyway but you couldn't see anything and we are slamming the the hull of the ship up and down on on sand Mm-hmm. And up and down and up and down. Every roller picked us up and then slammed us back down on the sand. And I'm just like, what? What are we doing? And he's like, it's okay. It's a landing craft. It's designed to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we're just beating the heck out of this thing. But anyway, we actually made it all the way into Cordova finally and uh, had to have her, have her hauled out just so we could get the uh, prop fixed on it. Uh, but um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Well, crazy were, fun. And you were describing to me the, the time that you were in a, 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 a your first time in a dry suit in that icy cold water. Yeah, that was, um, I think that was the second year I was up. Uh, no, third year up. Uh, so. Maybe we should talk about the second year. Second year. No, no, it was the second year that, oh, okay. that happened. So uh, the second year I went up, I wasn't going back on that, that, <laughs> that landing craft. There's no way I would crew that, right? Yeah. yeah Not no. a chance. Uh, but I had uh, met Lance's brother. His brother was a captain of a large fishing fishing vessel up there and had a lot of experience um, running boats. And uh, a friend and his cousin uh, was from Bakersfield, California, and he was a pig hunter by trade down there. But uh, he was a captain also, and he was uh, given the helm of a brand new, uh, I think we were 65 foot, pretty sure it was a 65er. Uh, I can't remember the model of this thing, but you'd recognize the boat if you saw it as a commercial fishing vessel. But yeah, so big steel hull. Big, no, not no fiberglass. Oh, fiberglass. Fiberglass. Yep. Oh. Yeah, brand new boat. First time up, first time oh in the gosh. water, the whole okay. thing, brand new. Yeah. Um, and uh, they delivered it over to Cordova, and we we crewed it. We jumped on so board a sport the boat. Fisher. Uh, 
No, commercial fisher. Commercial fishing boat. Okay. Yeah. And um, so it's got the, you know, it's got the big curves in the, yeah. in the cabin structure and the whole thing. It's got a huge V-hull and the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's made I, for I, heavy I guess, water. I guess I'm just used to seeing the, those types of boats made of steel. So. Yeah. No, no. This was, this was fiberglass. Okay. Yeah. Which was pretty amazing by itself, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first problem we had in the, in the harbor, when we went in there, we, we tanked up, right? You go and you fill up your tanks and get ready to go out. And after we tanked up, the boat's leaning over to the side by like, like a, I don't know how many, what an angle it would be at, but it was leaning pretty good off to the port side. Okay. And we're like, what yeah. is going on? And of course, you know, we get calls on the radio. Everybody's laughing. We're the joke of the town now. <laughs> this brand new multi-million dollar vessel is up there and it's leaning over to one side. Yeah, it's got like, a list of port. There yeah, we and, and we got no end of, of uh, yeah, heck for that. Yeah, there's I mean, sea like, about that. Don't yeah. you guys know how to balance <laughs> your tanks? Don't you know how to da 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 yeah. Well, anyway, we, you know, we for me, we're, we're talking to the owners, talking to the manufacturer, going, what the heck is going on? Finally, what they figured out was that one of the very last minute changes they'd made is the owner wanted the gen set mounted on the flybridge and um to, to make room and so it wasn't blocking anything else he wanted it on the flybridge what do they do they mounted it off center they put it next to the mast on the flybridge and the weight of the generator was pulling it over to one side because oh of the, my gosh oh <laughs> we're like so everybody's uh, oh my gosh yeah yeah wow. yeah yeah so yeah we did, at that point we did learn to balance our tanks and keep her <laughs> keep her straight but Anyway, uh, so that probably leads us to the, the first story of the first passage out to go out. Uh, I think I was telling you earlier about this. Yeah, um, tell, tell, tell again, please. Yeah. It's a great so, story. So uh, this is my first time uh, going on board a vessel this size, brand new boat, uh, and going up through the Prince William Sound. I was there before with the uh, with the landing craft, but we were going to an- another area that's much further in to the Prince William Sound area. And so we're uh, transitioning through the islands up there. And it's just beautiful out. It's sunny. It's gorgeous. You can see animals on the islands and, you know, as you're, as you're uh, driving by and, you know, eagles flying around and, you know, birds everywhere. We had, oh, yeah, and I didn't tell you this part, too. We had um, a killer whale breached right next to the boat. I mean, just feed off of our bow, breached <laughs> right next to us and slammed back in the water. And I'm like... I look at Rex and I go, he was bigger than our boat. And he said, yeah, he was longer than our boat. And I'm wow. like, wow, how big do they grow up here? <laughs> anyway, so, but, you know, one of those awesome experiences on that day. But we started, uh, we, we got out into a, a pretty long straight runaway. We had the boat on autopilot. And uh, we, the three of us, we only had three on board. Um, and we started straightening the boat out because we had piled stuff on the deck and everything uh, just because we needed to fuel up and get out. Mm-hmm. And so we started stowing everything and we're working away on it and I'm working on the back deck and I look up at the bow and I look up ahead of the bow and I see a huge rock wall that we were going straight into. And I'm like, I mean, a huge cliff. And it was just solid rock. And I'm like, what? And I screamed at the top of my lungs and, you know, uh, stop the boat, throw in full reverse, <laughs> you know, and just total freaked out. And then I'm running towards the, the back helm, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, back deck there. And, um, and, uh, nobody's up on the flybridge. Uh, but Rex was down inside the boat and heard me scream and he got to the helm inside uh-huh. and full reverse the engines on it. But we were, we were right there. There was you didn't have time. You couldn't turn the ship or anything. We were done. You had to stop the ship, or you were gonna, you know, that was it. Uh, if we turned it, we would have broadsided it, um, you know, at speed, the whole thing. So he did full reverse on both the engines and just 
held him back and kept it in full reverse. And it wasn't very long. And we right up to it, you know. <laughs> and then the boat kind of stopped in the water. And then he let go of the, thro- the, uh, the throttles on it, right, tidal. And the boat just slightly came up and it just it just bumped with a fiberglass hull on the rock underneath the water. And we're like, we're all looking at each other like, oh my God. And so then we're like, whoa, how did this happen? How did the autopilot get shut down? What? What? We had this thing plotted. It was all all set up. Everything was good, right? So what they had given to uh, Rex um, prior to our departure, one of the fantastic electronic pieces that they had given us was a remote control. So it was basically a remote helm in your pocket. So it was kind of large, um, but you could control the both engines. You could control... Um, I think the bow thruster was on there as well. Um, and um, uh, anyway, so you, you had full operation there in a remote control, you know, wireless. Well, apparently he didn't, he had put it in his pocket while he was stowing stuff and apparently had turned it on accidentally. And when you turn it on, it shuts off the autopilot because you've gone into a manual mode with a remote control. And uh, he had no idea that it was turned on and had bumped it. And that's what happened. And so we, we almost totaled the boat when we the first time we went out. It's like, oh wow! So yeah, being a laughing stock. Jeez, oh <laughs> man! And, and 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 you know, not to make light of it either. I mean, I have come uh, through that passage before and seen the antennas sticking out of the water from a fishing boat that had gone in and run into shore and sank right next to the the shore there. And you know, we went right over and we're looking down on the flybridge underwater wow. and we're like, that's Red's boat. We know who that is. And uh, oh, wow. anyway, we, we, he was okay. Yeah. But he was flaming drunk when he left town with the boat and by himself and he fell asleep at the, at the helm. Uh, anyway, well, this is, this is, I there's digress. a lot of learning going, a lot, a lot of knowledge in this episode. Man. Yeah. Don't go out flaming drunk to make sure your little electronic device is turned off that can, Control the boat. Uh, never go out on a landing craft in the ocean. <laughs> well, I had learned the previous year too is that uh, uh, life is precious up there. You make a mistake and you can die from it very quickly. And we had many examples of that happening up. Uh, we watched a boat sink. We rescued a guy from a yeah. boat that sank. Uh, we I mean, watched. I get, yeah, it's not nature's unforgiving. I think absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I've met enough Alaskans to know. I don't think life is as precious <laughs> to yeah. some of those Alaskans. It's yeah, like, they're pretty rough and tumble. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so this guy got you know killed and ah, whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, that fun. that first year I was up there, Lance's brother uh, was the captain of, of a new vessel, like we were running the next mm-hmm. year, and um, pretty large vessel, and we all had gone in behind a uh, a small island to protect ourselves from a storm that had come in big swells coming in and everything. And also there was a, um, was a submersible there, which was kind of surprising to see. But yeah. Yeah. There was a submersible, submersible, uh, uh, boat there. And so we were all, ha- we were all anchored up behind this. Um, it was really, it was kind of like a sandbar, only it was rock. I mean, rock sandbar. So it wasn't really an Island, but it was a big, big rock, long rock bar there. And then an opening that we could get in and out of. Uh, and then the weather started abating and, uh, Lance's brother had radio us and said, yeah, I think I'm going to head for town. And we're like, are you sure, man? It looks like the breakers are still breaking pretty good out there. Are you sure you want to go out in that? And he said, yeah, this, this boat's pretty big. It'll handle it just fine. And he was young. He, the guy was a young kid. I mean, mm-hmm. he was uh, younger than I was. I think he was 20 years old or something, but he supposedly had a lot of experience up there previously. I don't know. Anyway, so, um, 
he took the boat out and they were, uh, the first thing that we noticed when they went out was that they were fully tanked up. So they were down low in the, in the aft, they were down close to the waterline. So that means you've only got a cup, you know, three feet maybe of what's that called? Uh, something board, freeboard, freeboard yeah. on the back. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, so essentially, yeah, free freeboard is the distance from the roughly from the from the water line until until you got water coming over your, your right, side, right. So he only had three. He was he was you know, and that's okay. I mean, that's okay as long as you're okay and the and yeah. the weather's good and you can handle the weather. Well, he got halfway out there and he freaked out. He was like, "Oh no, this is much worse than I thought it was. Much worse. I uh, I cannot go on. This is bad. I've got to turn around." And we're like, uh, you know. Lance grabs the radio immediately. Goes, you understand that you're tanked up right now, man. You've got to. You'd have to empty your tanks before you can turn around out there, right? Well, too late. He already turned around, and the first wave took the entire cabin structure off the vessel. Oh, bam! Took it off, and uh, and the next wave just took the bottom cabin structure off, and then the third wave took the uh, hull of the vessel and threw it onto the beach. Oh my gosh! <laughs> just like that. I mean, it was just bam. So. The good news is the whole crew survived. They were all down in the hull, hanging onto the ribs of the boat for the right of their life. And they yeah. all survived. Wow. Yeah. And then, the, so the submersible went out. We couldn't go out there, not with that landing craft. That was crazy. Yeah. So uh, that submersible went around and he went out and, and rescued the crew off of the of, off the uh, bar out there. And, and they just swam out to the submersible or how? I don't know. I don't even know oh, how okay. that part happened. Uh, maybe he had the uh, inflatable boat or something. I don't know. Wow. But anyway, he he went out there and, and, and rescued the crew and got them back in. Wow. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, we watched a very major boat get completely destroyed in, in three waves. Bam, gone. Just, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't make mistakes, you know. You, you can't afford to. Anyway, so uh, last story <laughs> for for the, my second year up there on that vessel. So. <laughs> The same trip, we went out and we almost sunk the boat. Uh, anyway, after that, it was all fine. Great vessel, really nice, brand new. Everything was really nice to work on because uh, everything worked. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, during the fishing season up there, you have what they call closures. So they'll be fishing and then the uh, fishing game will close down fishing because they're not getting enough salmon up the streams to, to restock for the next year. So they will shut down fishing and tell everybody, you got to pull your nets out right now. You're done until we reopen again. It could be a day. It could be three days. It could be a week. And we even got shut down one time for two weeks, in which case we jumped on airplanes and flew home to Seattle and <laughs> took it easy for a week and a half and then flew back up again. Yeah. But uh, so we were out there uh, in the middle of the Prince William Sound, close to where the Valdez and the whole thing happened out there. Mm -hmm. And um, we went over and we had a couple of days where they had closed us down. And, we were and, and this predates the Valdez. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because oh, that was God. the 80s. You're, you're talking about 70s still. Yeah. Okay. Thank God I was there before Valdez happened. It broke my heart when that happened. Ugh. Yeah. Insanity. Anyway. So, um, um, so we're like, well, hey, what do you guys, you want to go on, on the beach and, and, uh, and and have a uh, have a you know set up a fire on the beach and and how about we build a a, a wet sauna and go and have a sauna so we can <laughs> you know a steam sauna you know and we're like yeah that sounds like really fun right so boy scout days again right yeah so now rex uh, being a uh professional uh boar hunter um down in bakersfield um he carries a 44 mag 
pistol that's got a 10-inch barrel on it, and it's nothing to mess around with. It's a hand cannon. So he's got that on, you know, on him because all these islands are wild islands. There are uh, bears that live on them. There are wildlife that lives there. Um, but, uh, you know, we go over and there's already a big fire ring already in place over here and a beautiful island. Great day. Nice. We're going to have a beach day, right? So, uh, we go over there, we heat up the rocks in the fire. We build a sauna out of ponchos, just like the Boy Scout days, right? So you got, you know, ponchos on all sides and you built this tent basically. And then you pile all the rocks in there and then you splash water on it, you know, and you got a steam sauna, right? So the three of us are sitting in there steaming up we left all of our clothes down on the rocks next to the fire down there about maybe 30 feet away from us 35 feet including rex's gun <laughs> and um we're sitting in the sauna naked you know doing the doing the native you know trying to be native or whatever we're doing you know but yeah. we're, we got the we got the steam going and we're telling stories and all of a sudden we hear this loud breathing and chuffing sound and we're like what the hell is that and then it got it got louder and then it was right up against the sauna. I mean, you're talking about a plastic tarp between you and some wild animal that's big. And uh we're like, I don't think it's a bear, but it's big. Whatever it is, man, listen to it. He's sniffing this thing sniffing our our uh our sauna, you know. <laughs> Naked inside of a sauna on a beach and you've got an animal outside. What? How crazy is that? So um, finally we heard this, this thing. we couldn't really hear this thing walking at all either. It was silent on its paws. And, uh, but we could hear this, he sniffed around us and then he went down towards the fire. And so we're like, you know, frightened out of our minds. We're lifting the, the, the tarp away to look. And it's a huge mountain lion. Oh, huge mountain lion. I mean, he's big. I, I've seen big ones down in California, but not like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I think we landed on somebody else's beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this this mountain lion was just, yeah, this is he owns this place. And so uh, there's nothing we could do. We just sat in there and tried to not make too much noise. He goes down there and he sniffs all of our clothes. And then he goes around to Rex's pants that has the gun on it. And he lifts his leg up on it and he marks it. <laughs> and we're, I'm like, no. <laughs> and then, and then he, want, he went around the campfire one more time. And then he just kind of looked back at us at the sauna. And then he just took off the other direction. Wow. We're like, what? We come running out. And Rex is like, oh, my God. He took, marked my my Took off like 44. walking or running or? No, he was just walking. Just walking, yeah. He was in no hurry. He was in charge. He's yeah. in charge. And he's a big boy. And, and oh, yeah, we got out. And we're looking at the pads, the, the footprints that he left on there. We're like, <laughs> and Rex said, I've never seen a mountain lion that big in my entire life. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so that was fun. That was the end of that. We were like, you know, paddling back quickly to the to the boat and, and trying to get rid of that smell of, of uh, marked clothes. But anyway. <laughs> and, and that was the boat that you had the dry suit? Yeah, that's the boat. Oh, okay. oh the dry suit. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Which brings us to another story. Yeah, so uh, Rex uh, was a diver. Uh, had a professional diving license. I've I've dove many times down in California, uh, off the coast down there for abalone and and you know just recreational diving type stuff. But I'm I'm experienced diver. Uh, so Rex had uh, a couple of dry suits that he had on board. And what would happen is that the uh, commercial gill netters that ran boats called bow, bow pickers, where they roll the net off the bow of the boat and back the boat away from the net as they string it out. They will fall asleep. They will throw their net out there, and then they'll fall asleep for an hour or two and just drift. 
and that's why they, they call it drift netting. <laughs> and um, they'll just drift and wait until enough salmon or whatever hits their net, and then they wake up and roll it back in. Well, sometimes what happens is the current will take the boat and spin it around, and the next thing you know, you've got your net caught up on your prop, and you're in trouble <laughs> at that point. You got you fire your, your engine up, you're going to total the engine, or you're going to, you know, damage your net you don't want to do that either so yeah the, what they the, what they will do is, is the uh, fishermen will pay large sums of money that they throw out in cash to anybody that will come and put a dry suit on and go dr- uh, drop down and, and untangle their prop and so uh rex did it a couple of times and then i said well i'm willing to give it a try why not you know and um uh i the very first time i put on a dry suit and i jumped into that water yeah, it was a dry suit, but still, you know, a little leak around the neck. And it was like, that's really cold water. Whoa. <laughs> and then uh, the water is crystal clear up there because it's ice water. And it's uh-huh. just crystal clear. There's just nothing in it. And I looked below me and there was a killer whale underneath me. A big <laughs> black and white killer whale. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm like going back up to the surface. I almost walked on water trying to get back to the boat. I was like, there's a killer whale down there. And uh, Lance looks over and goes, yeah, but he's pretty deep down. I said, what? He says, yeah, it's crisp. You know, so the water's so clear here, it magnifies. It'll make it look bigger than it is. I said, well, it looked pretty big. I mean, that's a big whale. <laughs> he's, yeah, it's a big whale, but he's he's down there quite a ways and he's heading away from us. So I don't think he's worried about you or the, you know, or the boat or anything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I jumped back in again and then I just, it was an amazing feeling because I've, I've dove in California in deep water before, but you always knew it was like, you know, 100 feet deep, 150 feet deep, something like that. Well, this is out there. It, it can be over 1,000 feet deep. Yeah. And you can't see the bottom. I don't care how crystal clear it is. So, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so and I, I untangled the, this guy's net off of his boat and got back in. And, and both Rex and I, I mean, the first time Rex had come back in, his face was completely deep purple. He was so cold. And <laughs> I did the same thing coming off the other one. I'm like, you know what, Rex, I'm not so sure it's worth it. Wow. <laughs> it's cold water, but. Okay. <laughs> yes, we because I, I remember being in, in the we were sailing back from the Bahamas, headed up, up north to America, and we we stopped in the middle of the ocean for a swim call, you know. Mm. And, and the water is pretty clear, not as clear as you're describing, but 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 clear enough you could see a hundred feet or more probably. And and I just remember looking down, yeah, like you said, like like where I'd snorkeled before, it, like it, there was there was always a bottom or you knew it was close, and this one is just the sun rays going down. Yeah. To, you know, not converging. I can't remember. It's hard to describe, but just going down into nothing. Yeah, like this abyss. And I've seen I, that I before. I remember seeing a fish way down there, and and just getting that feeling of like, hold, there's a like, holy crap! Like, there's a lot of water. I hope my boat doesn't go away. Like, like it's kind of that weird feeling you get when you if you ever been in a cave that's just like made out of of. You know, I remember because I never I'm, I don't get claustrophobic, except one time I I, I felt an inkling of it. And it was in it was in Twin Lakes in California, up in the mountains. And they had like these caves that have been formed just pro- probably just from glacier. Um, I forget what it's called the the terminology, ge- geographic terminology. But basically, it's where the glaciers dump a bunch of stones, right? And uh, and then some of those stones just by luck form little mini caves. And so I remember crawling into one of these caves and going down. But then I just got this feeling of like you know because there's thousands and thousands of stones that are just being held kind of by luck. <laughs> and and I'm crawling down into this cave getting, you know, probably maybe 30, 40 feet. I can't remember how far now. It's been a long time. But I just remember getting this feeling of like 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 everything's kind of coming in. I don't know. It was my first time 
and, and last time ever feeling that sense of real claustrophobia, um, which wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, I wasn't like panicking or anything, but like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm out. You know, that was it. That's what I remember feeling. And I know what you're, you're talking about with the deep water too. And you deep water, you've got these, the, the sunlight uh, kind of just angles in towards yeah. itself underneath you, but it just goes forever. And it's yeah. just like, wow, that's deep. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're really not consciously aware of that when you're on a boat and you're floating nope. around and you're dealing with, you know, sailing a boat or... Thank goodness. Crewing a boat. And probably, you know, I mean, that's one yeah. more thing to worry about. Like, yeah. You don't need to worry about the infinite. <laughs> yeah. What do they say? You're... you're uh, yeah, there's there's nothing but a tiny piece of fiberglass or wood or steel between you and eternity. <laughs> yeah, and Davy Jones locker. <laughs> yeah, and it's deep yeah. and it's cold, and we're not meant to be there too long. So. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so that's only my second year in Alaska, but the other ones are just kind of a repeat of the second year. <laughs> I mean, everything got smoother and easier, and you know, not so bad. But well, I did I did get thrown off of a car into a guardrail uh, on 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 one experience up there that first year I went up. So I was going to say you have so many land stories too. That's the crazy part. Like like well, like boat stories are just like scratching the surface. Like well, that so this was where uh, I was. This was up in Cordova. In fact, the first year I'd gone up um, and. My buddy had his his uh, uh, bow picker was in there, and he had it dry docked, and we were in there working on it inside of a shed, and um, he had a uh, a station wagon, yeah, he, was, he had an old station wagon. I don't know where he got it from, but he got a whole had an old station wagon there that he drove around to get parts and you know all that stuff. Very small town. There's only one bar in the town, and uh, it's a uh, and a restaurant, and it overlooks the bay, and that's where all the fishermen go, right? And it's all glassed in. So they all can look down on the boats and look at the marina and all that stuff. Well, I, I was uh, introduced to something called oil cans. And uh, I had never, no, yeah, we're going to drink some oil cans tonight. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to love it. Welcome to Alaska, right? Oh, so no. in Alaska, beer is a lot stronger than it is anywhere else. It's because they don't have the kind of laws that we have down here for restricting the amount of uh, alcohols in it. So it's much higher. I can't remember what the percentage is, but, yeah, it's substantially higher. <laughs> So um, he had these, what he called oil cans. Oh, I wish I could think of the name of the beer now. Big blue can. Um, gosh, I've seen them down here in the States, but I, I it's been too long now. Anyway, and they were sized in an oil can. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, how many, did you, how many did you buy? So I got six of them. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of beer. But anyway, we drank them. You know, we're having a great time. Yeah. He and I were, you know, we were best buddies back then. And, uh, and uh, this guy's name's Eric, and he lives over in Kent still. Great big Danish guy, you know, <laughs> and, but just a big gentle giant. And uh, we were having a blast. We got a little bit loose, and um, uh, we were like, well, let's go up to the, you know, let's go up and get a shower and go in and get some dinner, you know. And, you know, we was just being crazy. And I jumped on the hood of the car, hanging onto the windshield wipers, you know, like, there you, yeah, yeah, you can't, you know, don't, you know. And he takes off down this this gravel road. Uh, full speed i mean he's put his foot into it i'm like oh wait a minute this is a joke this is what and uh he wasn't gonna stop i was you know and i'm like i'm not hanging on to windshield wipers and waiting for the worst to happen this is not good so before he got up too fast um i decided i'm getting back in the car Mm -hmm. right so i go um i go slide up and i grab the roof rack on the car yeah and uh and swing around to swing myself into the passenger seat (laughs) <laughs> and the last thing I remember was being in the air, holding the roof rack and looking up at it going, why isn't that on the car? And I went right into the guardrail. Oh, oh my God. 
right into the guardrail and hit the guardrail and uh and everybody in the restaurant saw it everybody oh and they're like gosh. oh my god yeah never lived that one down <laughs> but um anyway so i get up um and jump in the car with him again i'm wearing eric's jacket thank goodness it was his jacket right so he's got this silver reflective jacket that had some padding in it but he's got a he took a picture of me when we got up there and i jump out of the car again and we're still like pretty loose we get out of the car and he takes a picture of me holding up my arms like this and the jacket's completely shredded off both arms down you know the whole back of my arms down into my elbows on both sides and i'm bleeding and i'm i've got this crazy laugh on my face like ha 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 <laughs> 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 just you know one of those you know nutty things that one that happens <laughs> you mix alcohol but i have yeah, I have other drinking stories up there that were way beyond that. Really? Yes, I do. Yes, yes. Lance Lance um, decided to get into a drinking contest with me one night. Okay. The captain of the of the uh, of the uh, the dragon, the landing craft, and uh, we went out to a remote bar uh, where they have dancing and they have music, and the locals go out there and and uh, and all that. It's, it's a nice. It's probably one of the nicer places. There's not too many there, right? Uh, the, the only thing from there beyond is the airport, the Cordova Airport. So the Cordova Airport's located all by itself, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but away from everything. And it's on, a, there's a huge road that goes to the airport and then a it, it dead ends right into this, this, the road that goes to Cordova, Alaska, because there are no roads that go to Cordova, Alaska. You can't drive there from outside. Okay. Yeah, it's a completely landlocked place. Um, so uh, anyway, so this, bar is partway out to the airport on that on that road before it dead ends and uh, i had driven over there in the um the dotson pickup truck that lance had as our support vessel or our support vehicle and i driven over to the bar and, and the rest of the crew was already there and and uh eric was there and a couple other fishermen that we know and and so we we're having a great time and lance decides to get into a drinking contest with me over tequila mm. and foolishly i i um I joined in, and um, my last count that I clearly remember was 21 shots. 21 shots. After that, there's a few spaces between my memories and what really happened. But I do remember that the the next clear memory that I have is that I was back in the bar again, and I walked into the bar, and the crew had all left. Everybody was gone. Like, where did everybody go? What's going on? And, and they're getting ready to close the bar. And like, oh, but they were, they were open for another half hour or something like that. So I get in there and I'm still, I'm still high as a kite, just having fun, you know? And I'm like, yeah. So I got one of the girls to come dance with me on the dance floor, you know? And I go on the dance floor and I look down and my boots are full of water. And, and then I realize that my pants are covered in mud and water all the way up to my waist. And I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And the girls go, you walked in here like that. I'm like. What? And you still what? got her to dance. What? Oh, man. And so we got on the dance floor and I'm just throwing water all over and I'm like, okay, Only we got to split this. I'm like, I don't know what uh, what the heck happened, right? So uh, no clue, um, no memory of that. And then she got me on a taxi and I took a taxi back into town and got dropped off at our um, uh, uh, our camp that we had set up. It was actually a trailer from a tractor trailer from a truck, a uh, big rig. Uh, that he had built, uh, you know, uh, bunks in and everything for the crew to yeah. stay in. Lance had done this. And I woke up the next morning. I couldn't move. Literally. 
my entire body was frozen solid. I could not get out of my bunk. <laughs> and and my buddy Eric is rolling out. He's like, well, I bet you're hungover, you know? And I'm like, Eric, I can't move. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I, I, I can't move. I'm completely frozen solid. And he's like, what the hell happened to your pants? And why, why are you sleeping in wet boots? What's going on here? Oh I said, I, I don't know, but I can't move. And I had a full whiplash on my neck. Uh-huh. And he took me up to the hospital. And, and they checked me out and they had me in a collar and they're like, what happened to you? And I said, I have no idea. I just, I remember going back and, and getting dropped off and going to sleep and waking up and I've got a full whiplash going on. I have no clue what's going on. So at that point, prior to going to the hospital, everybody's going, where's the Datsun? Well, I don't know. I thought you guys drove it back without me. That's why I took a taxi back. No, you took off in the Datsun. That was, where is it? I'm like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, what? So, I mean, they drove out to the bar to find out if it was still parked there. It's gone. Oh. You know, they were like, what happened to the truck? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'm at, I'm at the hospital by this time. And uh, coincidentally, the nurse in the hospital, she was my next door neighbor from down in, in Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, yeah. She and her, her sister were friends of, of, of Eric and I and, and Eric's brother down there. So, you know, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, small world. Anyway, um, so I, I had a full whiplash. So I had a neck brace on me. I was in bad shape. My whole back was solid as a, a board. I couldn't hardly move. Yeah. And the boat was leaving. We we had to leave. We were, you know, scheduled to leave. And, and if you don't get on the boat, you don't get paid. And I was like, do I, do I get on the boat or do I stay here where I can't be mobile and take care of myself even, right? So Eric helped me get on the boat and they put me in my bunk. Oh and my gosh, it was crazy. It, it hurt so bad going out there. Oh, yeah. it hurt so bad. It Did took, they ever find the truck? Yeah, we finally found the truck. What happened? What do you... Well, um, so we asked the local towing company to have a look around and see if they can't spot the truck because, you know, it's a land, you know, it's a roadlocked area. It can't go anywhere. Right. Right. It's got to be somewhere. So the tow truck driver said that he goes out, he drove out past the bar on the road to the airport where it turns into a T and you turn right to go to the airport, right? He says, and I'm looking straight and there's tracks going into the marsh. <laughs> Straight off as far as I could see, there's there's tracks from a vehicle, and <laughs> God, I'm like, you're lucky to be what? And he says, so he throws his waders on and he hikes out in this marsh and he can't get to the to the truck. He finally could see it, but he said, I don't have cable long enough to get that far out. I mean, how the hell did how did you get this truck out there that far? I said, all I could think of was like I must have been just full throttle off the end of the road, no brakes. There was no brakes, skid marks, or anything. <laughs> so they found it the engine was full of water yeah because she yeah. sank uh which explains why my body was covered in in mud and water and well, I, at least you had the wherewithal to go back the way you came how i came back how i got back there i had no memory at all just total blank. drunken navigation completely that's, that's to, yeah totally blank until i got inside the bar <clears throat> well and had you spent the night out there you probably would have frozen to death. oh would, oh totally yeah, yeah or geez. getting eaten by a bear or something who oh, knows you know gosh, just crazy you got nine lives. but anyway i guess the tow truck <laughs> driver while we were out uh on the boat on transit and stuff he looked located enough cable to go and grab the truck and haul it back in and they dumped the water out and got the engine running on it and you know it was there for ready for us when we got back and was like 
Oh, and then, you know, Lance, he owns, he's the owner of the truck, right? And he's the one that got into the drinking contest. He says, no matter what happens, I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it's okay. Whatever happened, whatever happens, it's okay. I'm glad you're okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) let's just, we'll just move forward here. He says, I definitely baited you into that drinking contest. And, um, and I didn't even ask him who won because there was no winners in this. We're just like, I, apparently yeah, I got every, totally. Everybody was a lin- winner. Lessons got learned. Yeah. <laughs> just a blind drunk. Just blind oh drunk. Gosh, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. And I didn't touch tequila, by the way, for who uh, probably 15 years after uh, easily. Wow. Maybe even 20, but I would not touch tequila. I just, okay, I'm done. I've had enough of that for one lifetime. Oh, when I, when I <laughs> yeah, obviously you were drinking in tequila again when we met you because yeah. remember we went out to that one restaurant with the, the bucket sized margaritas. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was Pescadero restaurant. It was like two gallons. It was like over a gallon for sure. Oh, it was yeah. huge. Yeah. This, this stupidly large margarita and. With Preston, oh my gosh! I've got good so pictures funny. of you and, and you and Megan trying to finish it. Oh well, yeah, because <laughs> we didn't want Preston to drink the whole thing and then drive home. That's no, yep. you know, luckily we had a long drive back to the boat. But oh my gosh! Well, yeah, Megan fell asleep on the way oh. back. She just passed out. <laughs> and then Preston's comment, like, "Yo, Preston, are you sure you're okay to drive?" It's like, Johan, I've only had one and a half margaritas." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one and a half gallons. Oh my god! Yeah, that was crazy. That so was so crazy. much fun. Well, and you recall, uh, you bought a barrel of tequila down in Mexico. So, because you wanted the barrel, that's what you wanted the that barrel. And then the guy was like, "Hey, oh. you know, I'll give you twenty. You know, give me twenty bucks, and I'll fill it with tequila." And you're like, sure, why not? Yeah, and that's and, right. I forgot remember, about we, that. We had that tequila. It was on my way. On my way. On, yeah. on the on the uh, the catamaran. We had that tequila there. And we tried it, and it was like instant hangover juice. Yeah. It was like you had half a glass or yeah. not half a shot, and you're just like, oh, my head hurts. Yeah, my head hurts. Horrible, horrible yeah, stuff. Terrible stuff. And so we just didn't drink it again. Which, which is what we expected. Yeah. So we didn't drink it again for months and months. And like this, and, and, and then, and then the, the little fruit flies, like the flies got into, you know, like get into the nozzle, and they were, they were mucking around, so we had to cover the plastic. But it wound out, so by the end of the voyage, though, we tried it again. And it had gone from being the worst tequila I ever had in my life to one of the best tequilas I ever had. Wow. It aged. It wow. aged in the barrel. It had like that smoky barrel taste. Yeah. And I don't know if some of the alcohol evaporated or what, but regardless, you it was you could drink it. It was so smooth, so good. It must have been freshly processed tequila that they just I, threw in a barrel and it hadn't it hadn't aged yet. I don't know. It all I know is wow. that like I, I was a sold on barrel aging after that. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. This went from crap to like not not the best tequila I've ever had in my yeah, life. Yeah, but drinkable. But like top ninety percent. It wasn't drinkable. When oh we no, tried it wasn't it. drinkable at all. Yeah, maybe oh. maybe 80, 85. But still, like really good tequila. And uh, oh, do you remember we had pregnant lady? That that one bottle that was oh. shaped like a pregnant lady. Oh yes. Oh my god. And it gosh. was so bad. Yes. <laughs> I I drank the whole bottle, but it was like over a period of months because you yeah. couldn't drink it. It was so disgusting. Yeah. And it was like this, this yeah, this pregnant lady bottle. With, like, oh, it's hilarious. Never seen anything like it before. And, Just, yeah. And the only way I could drink it was I would, I would like <laughs> pull, uncork it or whatever and stick my tongue into the bottle <laughs> and then lift it up so my tongue would, like the alcohol would touch my tongue and then my tongue would go numb and then I'd like pull it, it out. So I wasn't like, I was drinking like drops at a time. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that was the only way I could drink it. Is I'd have a few drops. You know, it sounds like sleep. desperate drinking to me. I don't know. Is that <laughs> I didn't want it to go to waste, but yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, it was so. Bad. I do remember that bottle. Though. That was an unusual bottle. Oh, and we had the hamburger buns. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the hamburger buns? So we bought hamburger buns in the states, <laughs> oh, no. in the United States, and we didn't use them. Like we opened the bag. <laughs> We opened this bag of hamburger buns and we hadn't used the, all of them. And so we're just like, well, let's just put them away. And then we forgot about them. Yeah. Totally Weeks forgot. later, Stacked we them. found these hamburger yep. buns and we're like, what the heck? We forgot. And I'm looking. They're like perfect. Yeah. They were perfect. So yeah. I'm like, let's see how long it takes for them to go bad. This is hot, humid Mexico. In the, like it was. Yeah. They should have been bad long ago. Yeah. They never went bad. No mold. We, nothing. Like we spent three months in Mexico on the sea, out on the water, tons of humidity, salt, like what, like all this stuff came back to the States and they were still good when we <laughs> threw them out. You could have eaten them if you, like, it was oh. insane. Didn't you get, didn't I hear you guys bought that at Costco or someplace like that? I, I don't know. I don't remember, but oh. it was, it was, I, I still don't believe it, but it's true. I wasn't part of the provisioning, I don't think. I don't remember. No, Ma- Megan did all the Megan provisioning. Megan did that, but, yeah. yeah. But like, the preservatives in that. Yeah. It was frightening that, yeah. that they were just preserved per- like, permanently. That, that can't be good for you if you eat that, right? <laughs> maybe it's maybe, it's, maybe the same company that makes Twinkies made it. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that man. was that was a fun time. Wow. So and and literally, those are just some of your boat stories, like the land stuff. That's, and, yeah, and that's before you know. Then, then there's Lady Washington, Chieftain. You know, lots of fun stuff there, but. But and you did crazy stuff on land too. Aren't you part of FEMA for a while? Didn't you know like Hurricane Katrina? Were you part of that relief effort? Well, I um, several hurricanes actually. Um, so, uh, but that was all Red Cross responses that I did. But I was also uh, I was uh, trained and licensed in Civil Air Patrol for search and rescue, uh, and I did a lot of search and rescue work also down in Ventura County, and uh, got a lot of training there, um, and. Uh, Gosh, I trained. Oh, another fun thing. Uh, I trained also up in um, Marin County. Uh, uh, every year has an annual training week that they have uh, set up. That's over in the uh, the old fort over there on the uh, on the north side of the San Francisco Bay Bridge, right? Uh, yeah. The Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. And um, I forgot what that park's called right now. Crazy. I lived. I grew up there. I forget too. It's it's the Marin. It's not the Marin Headlands. What, what do they call that? I mean, you basically head down the Golden Gate Bridge and hang a left up the yeah. mountain, and, and it's you I get the, the best view. The gold, well, one of the best views. It's like, an old it's an old fort back up there. there. There's so many good yeah. views of the Golden Gate Bridge, but it's, it's one of the famous views that looks out over the city, and um, yeah, and then just wonderful little walks and and the oceans there. It so I went. Great. So I went there, and I attended a um, the last time I went to it, I attended a. Uh, a week-long training seminar there and uh, that's where they bunk you and they feed you and and they bring in experts um, from all around the world to, to teach different classes and stuff wherever they can get yeah I was I was like I wanted to take everybody I wanted to take every class they had the first class that I had was uh, a medical doctor that just came in from the Himalayas and she was treating high altitude sickness and stuff for the climbers up there on Everest yeah, and I thought, wow, I, I gotta meet this lady and, and talk to her and stuff. But I learned a lot about, yeah, more more stuff about high altitude medicine and how to treat people for all that. It's pretty amazing stuff, and the things that they had to do to try to save people's lives up there that were, yeah, oxygen imagine. starved. Yeah, but well, anyway, so I, I did that. But also I did um, high and, and low line uh, rescue uh, rope rescue on the cliffs there too, which was really fun. 
so we had teams and stuff and we'd rope people up from the beach and you know that was about 1200 feet down and back up the cliff and the whole thing oh it's great fun off the crumbling california oh, cliffs crumbling uh, california cliffs crap. yeah you deal, you deal with what you got to deal with right wow. and then uh, yeah. and then they they brought over a team from the other side of the bay um uh of the golden gate bridge uh, but these were, uh, shoot, I can't think of the organization they were with. But anyway, these were uh, rescue guys with uh, jet skis. And they would go into heavy surf uh, to rescue people and stuff. And they were really well trained. And they had these uh, vehicles that were uh, built specifically to their specs and everything. And so they were, they took us out on the beach and they, they, they trained us on how to rescue people in, in heavy surf. And we had some big surf come in. And, uh, yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah. So that that was fun. That was fun training as well. But uh, yeah, I did a lot of um, uh, hurricane responses for several years uh, down to Florida, and then uh, the biggest one, the last one, was uh, uh, Rita and uh, Katrina uh, when they hit, mm-hmm. and um, uh, that was that was eye opening, both on a level of on a human level, dealing with uh, people that had lost everything. Uh, thank mm-hmm. God, not their lives, but they lost everything else, and they had not much of a future to look forward to. But also on a political level of the whole administration there and how they whitewashed that whole um, response that the government did down there, it was it was horrible. I was there firsthand and and saw how they mishandled stuff, and it was just <laughs> you guys have no clue what you're doing, you know. So after that, I. Um, I stopped responding. Uh, my my buddy was a retired uh, fire captain out of Oxnard, and he and I decided to stay in our county that year. And we were going to go back and re, uh, you know, go about, go through and refresh all of our supplies, and then try to double it, because we realized from all these responses we were doing out of the area to these hurricanes and stuff that we did not have enough supplies stashed in all of our locations around the county. So yeah, so we stayed and did that and. Uh, do, yeah. do you think those supplies came in handy when we had the big wildfires in around that area? Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure. Because Thousand Oaks, they got hit. Oh yeah, real hard. I was, right? I was, mm. I was on front line in, on some of those fires too. Okay. Yeah, I was down there on the, one of the first fires that burned all the way to the beach uh, from Thousand Oaks. They was, yeah, and yeah. watched a beach house burn to the ground. It's like, what's fire doing on the beach? It's like because the, the winds just blew it down the canyons and right out to the ocean and burned down some beach houses. Like, whoa. I only ever got to see one wildfire up close and it was, we were headed down south, heading southbound on the uh, one highway one, the famous highway one from, from Santa Barbara and um, to get to our our friend in Ventura. And I, I, it was at night and I just remember the entire hillside. It it would look like molten lava. Like like I I just, the videos never do it justice. Like you just cannot imagine it's it's flames and molten lava is what you're, it looks like and it just was surreal it was re- i mean it's cool it yeah. looked really cool yeah but you can't capture that on a camera it's no, just yeah not not at all and it, yeah. it was i mean right next to the highway essentially it was crazy it's interesting yeah. how that messes with your psyche and and how you respond and stuff is when you see something like that and you it's so hard to comprehend a little and, bit, yeah. And and how to, you know, appropriately respond rather than get freaked out or do something stupid and get hurt, you know. Well, I mean, logically, you know, you know, logically everything had already been burned. So it's not like, even if the wind blew back, what's I mean, it'll blow some embers yeah. probably, but it's not going to reignite anything that's already gone, right? I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I was horribly ignorant. Maybe we were doing something stupid. But well, I mean, there was hundreds of cars on the road. It's not like we yeah. had... 
you know, traffic had not been stopped both directions or even one direction. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, it's mother nature. She's unpredictable sometimes. I was in the Simi Valley fires. Um, uh, one of my fire responses with the Red Cross and um, I was in our emergency response vehicle and I was out with the fire crews that first uh, were fighting that fire before it got anywhere close to Simi Valley. We had no clue it was going to do what it did. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went up there and I was shooting photographs of that. And then we watched the wind just pick this thing up and throw it across the highway behind us. And I've got a photograph I took that has a reflection of the fire in our windows and down the side of our, our emergency vehicle. And then the fire is just running up the canyon next to us, just just running up the canyon towards wow. Simi Valley. And I called in immediately and said, you better warn everybody, Simi Valley's going to get hit hard. We're going to, this fire's not going to stop. This is bad. And sure enough, man, it turned into a nightmare out there. And uh, I was, um, I had hauled one of our trailers down to open up one of the first uh, response uh, centers in, uh, at a public center down there for people to come to, getting away from the houses uh, for safety and uh, a shelter. And um, I'm standing out next to the shelter um, after getting it, the whole thing set up and started. And and the, a couple of the fire chiefs are standing around, battalion chiefs from different fire departments are standing next to me on the end of the street. And we are watching this fire come up over the top of this hill. And it was a fire tornado, a total fire tornado that was spinning around like this and then spinning off small tornadoes of fire. So, so it was the, spinning up, and then it had little tornadoes oh, spinning yeah. down. Oh, it was unbelievable. We were just standing there in awe. And the, uh, all the all the chiefs are like, oh, man. And one guy's like, I, 35 years in this business, I've never seen anything like that. It's just frightening. <laughs> you can't, you just can't even, you know, how do you predict where that's going to go next? You can't. It's just the fire has created its own weather pattern. Oh and it creates its own wind. And, you know, yeah. Anyway, but uh, the other experience I had was when I left there, I got into our, our uh, response van to go back to uh, pick up more supplies. And I got on the highway and the highway was shut down in all directions completely because it was burning on both sides of the highway. And I drove up past the Ronald Reagan Library mm-hmm. um, down there. And I'm looking up to the library up there and everything from the highway up was on fire. The middle divider where I was was on fire, and everything off to my right was on fire. All the hills, as far as you could see around me, was on fire. And I stopped the van, and I just soaked it in for a minute and went, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I went, what am I doing here? And it's like, <laughs> I put it in gear, and yeah, let's get out of here. This is not good, because the winds were whipping around, and yeah, it was crazy. But um, yeah, so I've I've been through, yeah, I, I did one fire response for us uh with a fire that burned up in the mountains, uh, Fraser Mountain fire, uh, and it burned for over 35 days. And I was the lead on the Red Cross team for responding to that fire. And uh, we've, it was burning in such a huge area that we, you know, we had shelters set up in a lot of different spots all around this thing. But it just kept burning and burning and burning and jumped the Interstate 5 freeway and shut it down a couple of times and then jumped back over. And it was, yeah. So I've, I've seen, I've seen bad fire stuff and I, I'm not, Missing any of that being up here in Washington State, <laughs> although it'd be nice if we get a break of the rain. It's been awfully wet here this year, but yeah, wet is good for boats. It floats them. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. Well, Steve, gosh, I mean, I, 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 we we didn't we skipped over probably some of the stalking level stuff, but you know, um, needless to say, I'm I'm like a bad penny that just keeps turning up, and uh, yeah. Well, you were you were very generous with. In many ways, you're generous with your time, you're generous with your money, you're generous with your skills. 
sense of humor. I was supporting a great group of people. I could not. (laughs) How could I not? You had an incredible crew that year. Yeah, we really did. You really did. did. It was awesome. Yeah, it was special. Yeah, Yeah, very special. It always is, but some some crews are even more special. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and you will have to at some point delve into that Ethan birthday because that was Oh, I want to interview. That Ethan was quite now. the party. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely that was that was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean just seeing flaming swords being swung around on the dock. I'm just like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. It's wild. Yeah. Well, um <laughs> Yeah. Do do you want to talk about the do you want to talk about your current medical situation, or I, I don't mind talking about it. I don't uh, know. I'll turn it into a, a public information thing, though. But I don't know. What do, What do you think? Like, I don't. I don't want to depress people or make them upset. But uh, you know what? It it it's life, and a lot of people uh, deal with different medical things as they get older, like I am. And um, it's it's a normal part of life. I mean, you know, it's not something to hide from or or be ashamed of or anything like that. And for me, I just want to, I would like to uh, make sure that all the males that I know out there uh, stay, you know, get PSA the baseline set and, and watch them yeah. and get, get retested uh, annually. And then every six months, if it starts to move up and then, then it's time to act. Don't mess around. This is not something to play with. Starting at age 40 or I think it's age 40 is what they recommend, right? I'd started earlier. Really? We've had people in their 30s that have died from this. From uh, this is prostate, prostate cancer. cancer. Yep. And you got stage four? I'm stage four. Yep. So um, what that means is that it has uh, not just a tumor on my prostate, but I also have uh, prostate cancer in five different locations in my bones. At least that's as much as they could see in the scan. We didn't check my entire body. It could be in my, you know, other in my arms or my legs or feet or up in my head. We didn't scan that far. It wasn't. There's no point at that point. Um, so uh, it's it's in my bones. So it spread that far um, and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's never too early to get a baseline set up. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? You can have a baseline and watch it not move for years and years and years and knock on wood, man, everything's yeah. good. Uh, the mistake I made was that I had a, um, an enlarged prostate back, uh, well, before we left California, uh, I started following the ships up there. I had an enlarged prostate and, uh, the doctors demanded that I have a biopsy done. I did not want to have a biopsy done because I also know there's a risk of, uh, causing more issue, uh, more damage to a prostate when you biopsy it, mm-hmm. and you don't end up with it. But what you've just done is just you know beat the you know got you've got a, a bloody uh, uh, prostate down there yeah. trying to heal up, and then uh, you've opened yourself up to getting cancer from that too. I know that from research uh, that I've read okay. that that could happen. So I fought with the doctors, but they finally did a full biopsy on me. Uh, before I left, and it was negative, even though I had a, an enlarged prostate. And my argument with them back then was, hey, I'm in my 50s. Of course, my prostate's enlarged. All, all men have prostates that get larger as they get older. It just mm-hmm. That's a natural thing in life. So what's the big deal? You know. So the mistake I made is I didn't follow up after that. Yeah. And um, I should have. And I got too busy with the ships and having too much fun and adventure. And, and yeah, yeah. So and these um, PSA blood tests can handle well plus plus it was covid 
Like, because you started getting sick. Well, I started getting sick, and I thought it was. I thought I got COVID, and I probably yeah. did. I think I did have COVID for sure. Okay. I mean, I was really sick, and but then the hospitals weren't able to see you. There was like a, there were some yeah. issues there that were yeah. slightly yeah. due to the pandemic. There was some, and also some I was I was so sick for like four weeks I couldn't even leave my bed. I mean, uh, you know, bed and bathroom. That was it. I was really sick. I could not. Yeah. You know, worse than what you saw me down in Mexico. <laughs> so folks are sick. They need. And get to the hospital. Don't take no for an answer. Yeah, and um, um, anyway, after after I was sick for you know that was in I believe uh, August September that I got sick, and then um, and then it it just you know it was month after month, and then I thought, well, I've got long term COVID because I'm still sick and I'm not getting well, and you know da 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 da, and then um, uh, in I think uh, November. I think it was November or so. That's when I my uh, uh, prostate got so enlarged that I could not urinate, and of course that immediately sends you to the hospital because that'll you know that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> that's very bad. Yeah. And that's when they uh, and they didn't discover the cancer right away either. Uh, the doctor, the, ur- the urologist I had uh, had never had a cancer patient before, so um, I was his first. I mm-hmm. didn't know that until later, uh, but. Uh, um, we knew it was an enlarged prostate, so I immediately started taking a, a medication to uh, shrink the uh, prostate down. But I had to have a catheter in at that point, and I ended up with a catheter in for um, almost four months, which is unbelievably long time. And uh, the doctors down there at the hospital are like, nobody has a catheter in that long. That's just crazy. And it's like, but I finally the prostate got small enough where I didn't have to have a catheter in. And uh, I got really good at self-catheterization, which is not fun. You don't even ever want to experience that. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, uh, so far so good. I'm able to urinate with that. I don't have a catheter or anything. I'm, I'm good yeah. uh, right now. Uh, don't know how long that'll last. <laughs> Hopefully it won't. It'll last a long time. Yeah. But then they finally, um, they, they had finally got my PSA numbers back and realized my PSA was off the charts. I was at 11 which is insane. That's just way off the charts. Um, so uh, they immediately biopsied me and they discovered that I had that. Prior to that, I had my doctor, my urologist, uh, had discovered through the scan that I that he had done that I had some kidney stones in my kidney. So he did an operation and he removed some kidney stones from me. Oh my gosh. And that's another way that I got lost in the paperwork is that you know I'm in the hospital for kidney stones, but nobody's checking my prostate to find out if I have cancer or not. So uh, we missed it by about two and a half months. They could have caught it a lot sooner. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's had already spread to my body. So it is what it is. But anyway, so, yeah. So anyway, PSA test every year annually. Uh, just get it done. Uh, don't even, yeah. if you have to pay for it out of your pocket, pay for it. It's worth it. There's there's new tests coming out, PASM tests, blood tests and stuff that's supposed to be more accurate about that stuff. But uh, most people don't do that until they have an indication that, they're, they're, that their PSA is climbing. But, um, yeah, anyway. And don't let the New Jersey doctor tell you you look great. Or <laughs> I went, I went to, cause I went in cause I, I, I knew at age 40, you're supposed to like, you know, you need to start monitoring that stuff pretty seriously. Yeah. And so I went in, I said, and I didn't know the lingo. I don't know the terminology. It's not my job. Right. I'm like, can you just test me for cancer? Can you test me for general cancer? Like, like that kind of stuff. And, and she just looks at me. She's like, you look fine. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, no. I'm like, 
I, I like, oh, she should have been fired. Wait, now, now was like, that, that a doc- doc- that doctor should have been fired? Was I'm that sorry. a doctor? Or was that actually a bartender? Or it was what, a you know, doctor. Waitress? I was at a hospital. Are you like, sure? It was insane. <laughs> I mean, I, like, and and unfortunately, wow. and then COVID hit, and so yeah, three years, right. nothing. You know, yeah. now finally, I mean, now I did. I finally went into to an an actual doctor, I guess. You yeah. know, I mean, they both had licenses, but but one actually, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll get you tested, easy. Yeah. Yeah, like, easy duh, peasy. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know. Just I mean, that's what kills me. The, the test is so simple. It's like, why yeah. not do it? Why, why, why would you not? It's just, you're, you're I, I, with, to this day, I don't know what that doctor is you're thinking. You're dealing with something that can that can alter your life uh, to the levels that you can not even realize. I've read a lot of stories about guys that have been through what I've been through. Um, that a lot of people are surviving this now, but uh, there's some people that have just suffered uh, unbelievably from it. Yeah, I'm counting myself lucky. I think that I'm 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 getting it off easy right now because um, a lot of people have suffered a lot more than I am right now. So I I'm like I can't complain, and I'm I'm working with uh, SCCA, which is the Seattle uh, Cancer Care Alliance up in Seattle, um, top cancer place on the whole West Coast. So it's like. <laughs> I can't. I can't go to a better a better place than that. And, and they're in charge of, of what's happening with me there. And I've got UW Medicine there in Seattle that's uh, handling me on the other medical stuff. And it's all great. Good staff. Good people. And and very uh, um very well. Very good at communication. My doctor is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is truly amazing. She cuts no. She will not feed you any bull at all. She will give it to you straight. You know, any question you ask her, she will not only give you an answer directly, but also give you backup about it and the research done and what's coming up in the future and, you know, great. et cetera, et cetera. So she's awesome. I'm, I'm really thrilled that I, I get to have her as my doctor. Well, yeah. Steve, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you for sharing this. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's hard. And thank you for... For sharing all your stories, you've lived a hell of a life. <laughs> it's amazing. And I hope we have many more years with I've you. I've had a full life. And, um, well, I hope we have more years with you to and, come. And I get to drive a nice vehicle right now, which You're I'm having lucky. great fun. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get you out on a vehicle out on the water again soon. Oh, yeah. Well, That's I've been, the hope. And working with uh, Ken on, on his... Uh, his nice uh, 41 footer that's uh, Amelia, yeah. and we're looking at doing the San Juans this summer. So, excellent. Yeah. And who knows? Absolutely. Maybe, maybe someday we'll get you up to Canada. I hope so. Oh, man. I've got friends living in Canada. I want to go see them so bad. <laughs> I definitely want to go up to Canada. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, I think we're, well, thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Awesome story. Hey, no worries, man. All right, folks. Yeah, well, the, thank- story, the story goes on. <laughs> the story is on. <laughs> when you least expect it, I'm going to show up again because <laughs> I'm a stalker. That's what we do. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode, Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. Please support us if you can. Buy my kids' book if you can. And uh, I'd like to wish everybody out there, uh, yeah, may, may the stalkers, <laughs> may the stalkers not be too invasive. And wishing everybody out there fair winds and a following sea. Bye.